Welcome to episode 359 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. It is currently Sunday. His hair is tied up in a braid. Over that braid is his patented $67 scary hat. <laughs> Russell John the Fisherman. Man, I really hated this hat when I got it. And I was like, I'm just going to fucking wear it. But all you've the- owned it. But now I like it. And scary, you know, it allows people to project on my hat. And you see scary thoughts. Well, see, no, I see the scary. And I, the font of the scary reminds me of the uh, the scary tales movie with the frog woman in the halls. And they did the what? scary <laughs> stories tell in the dark. There you go. Oh, okay. That's what it makes me think scary of. Scary tales is a movie that Agfa put out. With Bleeding Skull, and it's fantastic. I don't think I watched it with you, but it's a shot-on-video anthology film. Okay. It's, dude, you would fucking dig it. How many stars? Five. Ooh. I thought, dude, I thought it was fantastic. I'm not joking. And uh, we're going to bring in the person who I know would not rate that five stars. It's Randy <laughs> Michael Stat. Yeah, I would not rate that one five stars, but Wild Tales, I would rate five stars. There oh, we go. I, now, see, I, I, Argentinian I, movie? It's good. Man. Dude, what? Did you ever see Wild Tales, Russell? Uh, which one is that? I gotta look it up. Uh, is it? It's Argentina, right, Randy? Yeah, it's like oh. five separate stories, kind of. It's like an anthology. Oh God, it was probably for what for close to a decade ago, like 2014, maybe. Probably, yeah. Yeah, 2014. I've just been told. Oh no, I didn't, this, dude. It's great. This got recommended to us by a guest too. I can't remember who. Yeah, because we talked to cool people. Yeah, it was I probably also remi- recommended to you by two of the hosts on the show too. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> you, you are correct, dude. I love that movie. Um, I I have uh, I still play the soundtrack. A uh, couple tracks from the soundtrack. Uh, oh, um, Maximiliano. I think brought it up. Yes, that's exactly uh, yeah. what it was. Yeah, um, dude, Wild Tales is great. What What was I thinking of? I was thinking of the fucking fantasy movie with John C. Riley. I'm sorry. What, Randy? You come on. Oh, yes. I don't remember the title because I didn't see that, but I know what you're talking about. Uh, you might have liked it. It was I, actually no, I didn't of, see it. Um, art house, and I think fantasy fans thought it was garbage. Tale yeah. of Tales. Tale of Tales from 2015. Tale. Too many fucking tales. I didn't see that. <laughs> was this a Sonic game? <laughs> oh boy. We just need some chili dogs now, dude. Speaking of chili dogs, it's Oksana Valerinova <laughs> Osachi, who has been known to make chili in this house. <laughs> Several times. That is the segues that I bring to the table. <laughs> Oksana, how's everything? Um, I burned the shit out of my hand this morning. Whoa, already coming in with language. We've barely hit two minutes of record. <laughs> I have a gigantic blister on my... How uh, did you burn your hand? I was taking a cup out of the microwave that had been in there for a minute, which some you, cups get hotter than others. You burned your hand... In the microwave? <laughs> on a handle of a mug coming out of the microwave. Hold I mean, on. We let, all have rough days. Let but... me uh, paint a picture for you. Here we go. So she's heating up, was it coffee? Oh, gross. Oatmeal. Oh. <laughs> How's that gross? I, I can't. Microwaved coffee tastes different. Oh, yeah. Oatmeal in a mug is much more high class. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, dude, imagine reaching in and grabbing a mug, and she clearly picked it up because I've seen the burn. Three fingers have blisters on them. So it's the Jesus. pressure of holding the mug and direct. It looked brutal. One of my. So the one that has the band aid over it got stuck. It was- oh, God, it got stuck to the handle? Yeah. 
Oh my god, man! How Damn. long did you put the mug in there for? A minute. I'm what kind of mug did you put in there? Um, ceramic. I mean, I don't know. what? Oh. Are, how many kinds of mugs? Was are it there? a Christian Parishone fifty dollar mug? No, oh. it was. It was a what the splatter? <laughs> no, it that's was what the, a, that's what that is. Um, clearance Halloween mug I got from oh. Sur- Ding 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 Sur La Table. Okay, it was that like bougie place. Sur La Table. <laughs> Yeah, so warning about their mugs. They're they're scalding hot <laughs> coming out of the microwave. I, I you know, one time I went into Sir Latable one time at the uh, Westfield Mall. It's no longer there. Um, you know, COVID has has taken hits on everyone, including Sir Latable. And uh, I almost stole um a little spatula in there just because I thought that I could get away with it. Probably because it was like fuck? thirty dollars too. What the? F- you're being, you don't you don't think of that? You're be a little. By the way, thing? I think I think women do that more than men. I think oh, women yeah. steal more than men. Yep. Oksana, I bet you've stolen something <laughs> in the past ten years. I False. Never. One time, accidentally. Here we oh. go. But I was like four or five. Someone handed me something, and I was like, "Oh, okay." They're giving me this thing. Well, I also did that when I was a kid too, but you don't know. That was the only. I walked out of a store with a. Uh, um, it was an umbrella that had dinosaurs on it, and I got very excited. And they're like, "Wait, why do you?" Like, I don't know. <laughs> Mine was I'm like four. a keychain or something. Hold weird. on. Now, if you when you took that umbrella, did they march you back in and make you apologize? Yeah, my grandmother back? did. I was oh, like, "I'm a I'm a child. What do you want me to do?" Well, you got to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you did the deed. If yeah. you got away with it, you learn you can get away with but it. But then I got pizza after, so it was cool. Oh, the <laughs> instant reward yep. after. That was You're my spoiled. life. You spoiled. Yeah, oh, I know. You know how long it took me to break that shit? Oh, you broke it? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little me. bit? Um, speaking of Clark and uh, personal advantages, I don't know, not advantages, but improvements, uh, how's the uh, smoking going? Okay. Even <laughs> like- All right, here's the, I'll, I'll tell you straight up. Yeah, I went, I think I went f- 15, 16 days. And then yesterday I bought a little pack. And since then, I have smoked, I think I have burned three, maybe four cigarettes, but like I just smoked one today and I took like four puffs. It, it, they taste different. Mm-hmm. They're gross. And, I, I, and I'm mad because I'm, I want to get enjoyment out of it again, and I'm not. <laughs> you could get rid of them. I'm so, I was but so see, now I have hard. them to do, I can do my um, magic tricks. Get a fucking Slide straw. a hand. You could do that with anything. No, slide a hand with cigarettes are cool. Teach the kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you could blow like rings or make like animals out of the smoke, then maybe. Yeah, cig- cigarettes are gross, dude. I'm thinking about going back to cigar. Dude, the, thing, the thing that's most fun. Oh, up- can I do pipe? I can smoke pipe inside. What? <laughs> you can smoke pipe inside. It's fine. You, where does it say that? Everywhere. Dude, have you ever not smelled a pipe? It smells great. So if you went to like the HOA because we're part of a homeowner association, it's not yet. Yeah, and you're fine. like, hey, can I smoke inside? It's and they're com- like, well, hold it on, is no, dude. Completely fine. And you're, you're like, wait, hold on, it's not cigarettes. And they're like, no, 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 we don't allow vape either. You're like, no, it's pipe. It's we'll pipe. Smoke pipe. It's and smoke they're, pipe. They're like, oh, you smoke pipe. It's fine. They're like, we all smoke pipe. Yes. <laughs> no, this is, this was- is universal <laughs> truth. I'm gonna say no. Yeah, nobody smokes pipe, dude. My uncle smokes pipe. <laughs> Is it opium? I don't know. I don't ask. <laughs> okay. I let him know. Just don't ask. Don't tell. Smoke pipe. Whatever comes out, it's all good. Randy, would you tell them you can smoke pipe inside? <laughs> no, I've never heard such a thing. What are you talking? God. What are you talking about? 
smoke I, pipe? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like crack? Like a crack pipe? No. Tobacco. Well, <laughs> dude, tobacco in a pipe like reeks in a good way. It does not reek. It dude, smells nice. It permeates shit. But it smells nice. <laughs> pipe tobacco is nice. It doesn't it's not a bonus on eBay when somebody has a pipe smokehouse. It's a uh warning they give you. No, no. Isn't no. that why you get candles that smell like cigars? Whatever. C- cigars and pe- like pepper. That was one of the ones you got. Cigars and pepper? It was like, yeah, like cracked pepper and what? leather. Cracked, cracked pepper. pepper. You know the, the black pepper? Black pepper. That was one of the the candles you have purchased because I, it stood out to me as like, that doesn't sound like an appealing yeah, dude. smell. It he's smelled gonna, good. He's going to smoke cracked pepper pipe. <laughs> See, y'all, y'all just don't know how to live, man. <laughs> Tobacco, pipe tobacco smells amazing. I agree. That's why I think, you know, I got turned on to D&D. In the cigar shops, when they used to have them, they'd have those little pewters of, like, a Grim Reaper. All right, now I'm back out. Okay, there we go. Now you made it. <laughs> I got them to quit. Now you made it fucking Dude, lame. they had a bunch of them. They had, like, a little mohawk guitar uh, skeleton. I still got them. You want to hang out with my cigar store pewter people? I don't know. Anybody got any fentanyl? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another pipe thing. How do you take fentanyl? Isn't it in pipe? Well, you can uh, snort it. You can uh, put it in <laughs> cupcakes. So I started working with a very young, very Irish man who uh, is uh, about to take the bar exam. And he's very global. He knows a lot. Not the brightest bulb in uh, the lamp, but he's he's an interesting one. So I started asking him about ketamine because yeah. I'm like, I don't know anybody who's done ketamine. And if I do know you and you've done ketamine, go ahead. Let me know now. But he started telling me about it. And he was just like, are you kidding me? You don't know ketamine? He's like, it's legal. And I'm like, oh, clearly, I have no idea. Sounds fun, though. I think I'm going to try and get you on ketamine and off of cigarettes. I don't know. <laughs> it's, very, it's European. It's international. Randy would dig it. I can't spell it. <laughs> I can't either. I think you could get like a thing that you, uh, you can take like, like a thing in your nose, a ketamine little uh, vapor thing. Oh, like a smelling. I think salt? people do it that way, kind of. I think, yeah. An inhaler. Oh, one of our uh, previous coworkers would know. Oh shit! <laughs> More than one. See, there's a puff. probably true. An inhaler. You could puff a ketamine inhaler. Oh, that's for Randy. The HOA would allow that. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Fuck it, HOA. <laughs> Bunch of bitches. All right, we got a lot today. There's no TBR report this week. Um, we do have the uh, results of our latest uh, unnameable segment. I've been asking everybody on this show, except for Randy, to help me out and name this fucking PR brawl, the uh, Royal Rumble of press release. Or I help me out again. You can email us at the Overlook Hour at Gmail dot com minus the, the Overlook Hour at Gmail dot com. That's what I said. No, Play it back, <laughs> Randy. What did I say? Randy, do the re- rewind voice. You put the in front of it. God oh. damn it. Randy, cut it out of the show. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we got that later on. Um, uh, I don't know. Sam, continue. If you haven't listened to Sam Cantation, Sam where, where we hung out with a longtime listener, uh, forever friend and family. Um, I almost called him Sam Kinison. Uh, Samuel Pierce. Uh, please do that. I, I took three hits of a joint before it, and I completely lost track of time. Noob. Yeah, I do. For <laughs> real. I came home. No coffee. I was like, I'm going to crash. I was yawning all the way here. I'm like, fuck it. Let's just lean into it. No sleep. No sleep. Exactly. And the dude, it woke me up. 
I was awake. I was having fun. I was engaged. I yeah. didn't want it to and end. And you had no concept of time. Yeah. Clark Outside ta- of <laughs> your already zero. Well, Clark after. I was like, damn, dude, I feel bad. I don't want to keep Randy there that whole time. And he was like, well, you know, I feel like we've developed a rhythm. And we both kind of know when we're wrapping it up. And he was like, I was getting none of that from you. Yep. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing from dude, you. I had no idea. Anyway, so I got a little bit more from Sam, but uh, I don't know. Is there anything else anybody want to talk about up top? Or you want to get this shit going? Um, very briefly, I will mention that uh, we are recording on a Sunday. Now, typically, we you know we we I feel like we go half and half. You know, some days we'll record on a Saturday. Sometimes we'll do the intro on a Sunday. Occasionally, we'll do it on a weekday. But you know, Saturdays are always you know my uh, the kookaburra days. Oh dang! And uh, yesterday. I mix things up a little bit as I was talking to my friend, our engineer, Randy Michael Stat, as uh, we both listen to the same podcast, where in said podcast, they review a chain restaurant, <laughs> and there was a seasonal menu at the International House of Pancakes, and Russell John Fisher, uh, that seasonal menu was the Minions. When you told me about that, I got very excited. Now, why did you get excited? <laughs> you don't like a Minion. I don't like a minion. I don't like an IHOP. Wait, no. You said International House of Pancakes. That's IHOP. You got yeah. very offended when I... Oh, it is? Yes. It is IHOP. <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs> I'm more of a Denny's guy. I like uh, their cartoon. The Grand Slam? Yeah. Well, you know, also, when... when Did you do the Denny's uh, Hobbit breakfast? No, but I remember. Dude. Uh, apparently, uh, that, that went along very well. Well, Hobbits know how to cook, dude. And apparently, <laughs> Hobbits are big on uh, brekkie. Yeah, they make a big brekkie. Big breakfast. They love a good meal. The Minions menu, I can say, I had uh, two items from the menu. Um, it's, it is also, I would say, banana forward. Okay. As a banana. banana. Is that like a cannibal thing? What? Are they like banana people? No, but they just say banana. <laughs> and they're yellow. <laughs> you do that too well. Banana. Um... Also, here's like kid, minions to kids. It's it is uh, it's crazy. They love minions. Bob banana, Bob Baba banana. Yeah, the Baba the Baba banana pancakes. It's hard to say. The pancakes are okay. Um, it it is like this weird yellow sploogy <laughs> uh, banana pudding. And then you've got the whipped cream and sprinkles and also uh, Nilla wafers as a little bit of extra texture. But the Nilla wafers and a pancake is just, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's carb on carb. You know, what are we doing? Yeah. It's, uh, it's not great. Um, pancakes were okay. And also, I'll tell you this. The pancakes at IHOP are rarely my favorite things at IHOP. Um, the pancakes are not great. I think Denny's has a better pancake than IHOP. I agree. Also, uh, Cracker Barrel destroys IHOP in the pancake game. The pancakes may be the worst thing that they do at IHOP. Um, I think they just they just have a more um, robust menu. No, they just have more flavors of syrup. That's well, like the only difference. I know one thing that a lot of people like IHOP for is they have a gluten free pancake, which I don't think uh, Denny's carries. What does that taste like? A uh, <laughs> clearly, if you're gluten free, you're not worried about taste. Yeah, 
It's the 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 pancakes at IHOP um, are not great. Um, now, what I will say is the star of this was the uh, what's what's the burger called? Russ, do you set that up? Uh, the Groove's Evil Steak Burger. Yes, that's the worst name on the menu. But read read what's on the burger. Black Angus Steak Burger with sautéed jalapenos, serrano and onion, bacon, pepper, jack cheese, sharp cheddar mac, and cheese and mayo. Served with choice of side. There's a lot of cheese in there, dude. Russ, you would like that burger. Yeah, but it's I, got a little bit of heat. You get a little bit of heat in there. It looks good. Um, I want to hate it. You got the serrano peppers. I'm being honest. I really want to rip it, but I'm looking at it. And I want it. I'll tell you this. Can the, we order that after? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I'd do it again. I'd I'm eat that. Joking. I'd eat that burger again because here's the the star of everything I had was not a seasonal thing. The fries at IHOP are very good. In terms of like. Because the, the and Randy knows this. Randy's a fry guy. All right. Yes, sir. Randy, the fries. What's the one thing about fries? They don't travel well, right? Precisely. A yeah. life shelf on French fries, especially McDonald's Couple fries. Minutes. Five minutes tops. Now, I'm a big fan of Wendy's fries. They have figured out a way to make those last longer, and they are delivery proof. IHOP fries are very similar to the texture of what Wendy's is doing. They have a nice crispy texture on the outside. The inside is nice and fluffy. These are these are five star fries. Very good fries at IHOP. The burger a little under seasoned, and I wish that the mac and cheese was a little bit more cheesy. But this is a good effort, and this is a good burger. IHOP does, and I've had burgers at IHOP before when they did the whole IHOP thing. That was a failure, but their burgers are good. You know, I wish we could write for them. The burgers are better than the pancakes at IHOP, and it's not even close. I, you know, when you talk about a Minions menu, I've never actually taken this shit seriously. Like, it kind of, like, slides right off of my smooth brain. Yeah. And it does not penetrate. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, they have the Baba Banana Pudding Pancake Ultimate Bacon and Sausage Combo. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, all you did was put Baba Banana in front, or the Cinnamonian Ultimate Bacon now, and Sausage I, Combo. I hear the Cinnamonies things are very good. The, the donut hole things? Yeah. The Cinnaminions. I didn't get those because uh, I didn't want. I just want. I got the kids' pancake because they gave me. They gave me one pancake and you know a, a little piece. You of always bacon get or, the kids' food. It's weird. No, because it's a cheat code. <laughs> <laughs> they come with crayons. It's too? a cheat code. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I imagined in my head that they would give you like a little story, like tie. Like so, I pulled up the fucking Denny's Hobbit menu. That menu is much prettier. All of the dishes are stacked on gold coins. Ooh. The names are like Smog's Fire Burger, right? Dwarves Turkey Dressing Dinner, Hobbit Hole Breakfast. Like there, there's a little play on words. What's, there. On, what's on the Hobbit Hole Breakfast? Uh, two eggs fried right into the center of a grilled cheddar bun, served with two slices of bacon and crisp, crispy hash browns with melted shredded cheddar cheese and bacon. Yeah, see, I, look, man, I like that's an effort there, and I will say that there was an effort on the. The minions menu. No, here what the effort I want is when you read the text instead of being like, "Hey, we got two eggs." I want it to be like a Bilbo's had to slip yeah, on. You the want ring a narrative? And, yeah, Bilbo had to go invisible to eat this breakfast because everybody around town was trying to. Take well, then it. go to Planet Hollywood. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> fair point. Are there still Planet Hollywood? Dude, talk about a depressing <laughs> building that smells like people have been pipe smoking in did, it. Did they have that a place? Plan- oh, did let- they have one here? Uh, I don't know. I've been to one. I've been to one. Oh my I've God. been to a couple. I think they must have had one in L.A. They must have had. I one. had. I think I went to one in Dallas. Yeah, one in L.A. There's a Vegas one. 
God, you good point, man. You know, I'm off the menu thing. Fuck it. They killed it. God, Planet Hollywood felt weird, man. And that was in a time where you couldn't really get exposure to movies like that. But I, I, I will say, and I know this is lame, but when I was a kid, when I got really excited every time we went to Hard Rock. The Hard Rock Cafe? I liked Hard Rock. Isn't that a bar? No, it's a restaurant. Oh, I thought it was a fucking bar. No. Dude, I, I liked Hard Rock Cafe. What do they do there? Like Steven Tyler mopping Same the floor? Same thing as Planet had- Hollywood, except for it's Hard Rock. And it's music. Wow, it sounds way lamer. Yeah, but they had decent food. Dude, oh man, I don't, that sounds like depressing. It was depressing. (laughs) Yeah, but no, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, 100%. You know what's the worst? It's like when you go to a planet, my memory of Planet Hollywood is you would imagine this is like an industry. Hard Rock Cafe was way cooler than Planet Hollywood. Okay, cool off the table. I just want a clean restaurant. And I always remember Planet Hollywood feeling kind of run down. Yeah. Like the booths had holes in them and shit. Wasn't, wasn't uh, Arnold? Yeah, the big stakeholder in well, Planet like Hollywood. Arnold was Stallone too. I feel like no, they hate each other. Did they hate nah. each other because Planet Hollywood went Dude, sideways? They did the Expendables together. They <laughs> saved film. No, they don't like each other. Oh, come on, they do not like each other. <laughs> which is why I'm Team Sly. Okay, well, okay, I'll go Team Arnold just to make. It I know you go Team Arnold. Well, when you make the fucking definitive barbarian movie, what do you want? Uh, I want John Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. That is that is a very big discrepancy. I like Rambo now. I've come to love him, but as right. a kid, I, I want fucking hated G.I. Rocky Balboa. Hated any military stuff. I'm Cobra. Like, I thought guns were stupid. Yeah, that's why you suck. No, dude. swords are better. No, guns. No, in a cinematic universe, Amer- USA. Take a USA. Sword. USA. <laughs> right. it, is, it is kind of European worship to love a broadsword. That's true. Or a claymore. Although, I'm a slappers only kind of guy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to start this thing? I can, yes. I can, okay. David is yelling from outside the door. Um, I couldn't tell today. Normally I can tell. He, he seems subdued, relaxed again. I think, honestly, if I'm going to make a prediction, I think we're back to the basics again. Expect, I don't know, rebar, <laughs> plastic. Rebar. Yeah. How are we working with rebar? He isn't working with a rebar. Oh, no, was, That'd be tight, though. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't work with plastic. A 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You guys got anything? Any bingo? I'm, I'm kind of bummed. I feel like we're back. Wood and epoxy. Okay. Wood and mm, epoxy. I'm going to say. I don't even think he's going to mention coffee. I don't, what? God, I don't think he will. I'm going to say illegal labor. <laughs> okay. Home Depot. <laughs> Um, all right, Randy, you got a prediction? Make it a wild one, dude. Uh, he's going to take out one of the um, excess dining cars that he added because there's a worker shortage. <laughs> oh, very good, dude. Randy, you're good. I hope, I hope David brings some improv like uh, you just showed there. And also, I feel like I should be introing David Lynch again, fans of our show, if, if there are any. Um, you know, you know David Lynch. He's the godfather of cinema. Gave us uh, fantastic films like Inland Empire, The Easter Treat, or uh, what's the one where he wrote a lawnmower? Was that a movie? <laughs> Didn't oh, even... that's a straight story. There we go. And a straight story. So y'all know him. Y'all love him. Uh, let's bring him in. Was Richard Farnsworth. Good morning. It's July 24. 2022, and it's a Sunday. Day two of weekend projects 
and the fun work train rumbles down the tracks. Oh, rumbles. <laughs> Today, Stomach is I'm stopping off in the dining car, okay. getting a hot coffee. Don't get burned. And I'm going to be working with tempera paint, oh. acrylic paint, and oil paint. What, David? We want the improv back. All right? in the same oh. day. Oh, okay. It's getting cocky. We, we want the improv. <laughs> they tell me that we should have word about the sleeping cars by next weekend. They're getting lots of feedback. But they say that <laughs> predominantly four sleeping cars. We'll see what happens. Everyone, <laughs> have a great day. I, do you, I feel bad. I put him on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> we have received reports of sexual assaults <laughs> within the sleeping cars. <laughs> There's just too many. It's hard to monitor them all. <laughs> what the hell? Man, I, I love David. I'm, I, again, um, I know he's already gotten on the plane, but David, I just want to say thank you. Uh, the improv is a lot of fun, and we're truly honored that you're a part of the show every week. Um, at, now, up top, I teased a little bit that Sam had followed up after we recorded our extra long, uh, out of control manic episode where we went deep in incarnation. Oh my god! In <laughs> incantation, I can't, dude. I can't even in regular oh conversation. I call it incarnation. Okay, incantation. Anyway, I just wanted to share this. Um, Sam followed up. He texted me after, and he said, "Again, light spoiler. If you haven't watched it, again, this is really just theory, so it's not." definitive but i don't know skip ahead if you haven't seen it uh sam said oh man i forgot to mention something that stuck that struck me while watching incantation uh there are a lot of caterpillars in that show yeah that show up and i me at first this is me i thought they were maggots upon of the course you do i know and then i'm like oh wait no those are caterpillars it's well i mean it's different maggots are kind of hack in horror so yeah but you are a maggot i, I was kind of overwhelmed by all the shit happening in the movie anyway Anyway, well, Sam said, um, uh, the caterpillars that show up seem to be closely tied to Mother Buddha specifically, and the caterpillars we see appear to be monarch caterpillars. Monarch caterpillars are cool because they only feed on milkweed, which is poisonous. Uh, they're immune to the poison, but it makes the caterpillars themselves poisonous, and it, they use it as a protection from predators. Um, what is this Silence of the Lambs bullshit? Well, he's saying if it's deliberate, it's really a cool piece of symbolism for how the curse needs to be distributed as among as many people as possible, poisoning them a little bit to save them from the ultimate, quote, predator. Yeah, I don't know. He goes a little bit more in there, but this film is a gift that keeps on giving. Hey, Sam, <laughs> chill out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you, Sam, and I... Uh, I was at work when you texted me that, and I had to put down what I was doing to reflect. Good job. I love it. That's what I like from film. Uh, back to you, Clark. R.I.P. Dodo. That was the girl. That was in, a moment in, of silence. No, no. In, I was, it was in, respect. In, in Incarnation. Yeah. You know, Chen. Your favorite film? Chen Dodo. Did you even watch the movie, dude? Like, in my <laughs> nightmares, dude, over and over. All right. Are we going to... Incarnation. We gonna... <laughs> I can't. 
We're going to do a skunk ape? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go right into that. Fuck, dude. Skunk ape. Well, okay. What are we calling it? The PR Smackdown? Rumble on the PR Bronx? Uh, what? Uh, the, uh, I don't know. I asked everybody for Is a name. Is that saying for Puerto Rican? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's my joke. The press released Smackdown. About? Deathmatch, battle to the end. <laughs> all right, Clark's got his <laughs> eyes closed. He's in a meditative state. This is how we get all of our best ideas for the show. I feel it. His nose is wiggling. Something's coming to him. Nothing rhymes with screener. <laughs> okay, good job. <laughs> anyway, our PR battle that is decided by a poll by uh, you, the listeners. Um, last week we put it up and the skunk ape experiments issue one won the poll. Thanks. Uh, what, what a mouthful there. Um, what was the challenger? Oxon? The immaculate room. What was that? <laughs> Where a couple has to spend 50 days in like an empty room and there's a voice coaching them through it. I voted for that one on Instagram. <laughs> Oh, I shall. All right. Well, The Skunk Ape Experiments, issue number one, a trilogy of films that follows Outcast Paranormal, Outcast with a K, on an adventure into Mayaka City, Florida, on a skunk ape investigation like you've never seen before. Confirmed. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this movie is, uh, fuck, man, we've, we've dealt with cryptids on here before. In fact, I'm very into Bigfoot right now. I don't know how proud I am to say that. But I'm currently reading the Night of the Demon book by Brad Carter, based on the film, commissioned by Severn. I have a Bigfoot statue in my room. I have a Bigfoot shot glass in the basement. I'm practically an expert. We've actually, we've talked to a Bigfoot hunter on the show. We've had paranormal hunters on the show. Your hygiene mirrors that of a Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem I have with it as a cinematic um, art piece is they're always so They've always got the voice of, believe me, believe me, you need to believe me. You don't believe me, but I'm going to make you believe me. And it turns into something that could be interesting cinema verite, like just traditional documentary, but it turns into almost like a, a kind of whiny propaganda piece. I'm going to say this one isn't that. What we have here is something more akin to the Blackwell ghost. Now, I mean, great uh, film work, like everything is crystal clear. All of the tech shit just works. But if you don't have Clay Turner helming Turner, it, Clay. I, every day. <laughs> Clay, comma, Turner. I'm very, uh, yeah. I, I mostly deal with literature now, so that's how I see it in my head. If you don't have Turner Clay helming it with all of his charisma, kind of, I mean, honestly, crafting a fictional story that's entertaining, you get the skunk ape experiments Issue number one. Now, now my, first, uh, my first note is issue number one refers to the device they use to present the story, which is a almost like, remember in Creepshow when they have the comic book graphic and we jump into stories yeah. and it's like an anthology? Well, in the Skunk Ape experiments, we have um, two different timelines playing at the same time and we jump back and forth via comic book. It's a little confusing. Most of the narrative in this is kind of confusing. Everything looks fucking polished, though. It looks like they had money. Oh, you're giving me a weird look at the polish. What comment. film did you watch? Hey, technically, everything looks polished. It's a very like. I would uh, polish is not a word that would. 
come to my well, mind. I think uh, so. Uh, what we were talking about was they when, didn't color correcting everything. No looked, color correcting. Everything yeah. looked raw. Everything was rough. They didn't know how to shoot a shot. The fucking light polluted everything. It was either too dark where you could see or too much bright where yeah. you couldn't see anything. I'm talking about the production, though. Like, transitions, the music, all of that was, like, it was legit. Yeah, but they couldn't frame a shot. Well, I mean... In, they couldn't light when, a shot. When I'm dealing with documentary, especially, like, paranormal stuff, that's kind of par for the course. Like, you know, you're not look, you're not watching taps because they're framing up everything perfectly. Get a goddamn light. Well, here's the other thing. This movie has like 48 Turner Clays in it. And honestly, I think a lot of the people involved in this film were pretty interesting. No, this uh, this movie has 48 Lightfoots in it. Yeah. He yeah. was a good dad. He was a good dad. And, you know, honestly, I kind of wish the movie wasn't focusing on a skunk ape because you always know, like, we're not going to see one. So, but we are introduced to a bunch of characters. Now, I, I want to clear this up. Now, the term skunk ape. That is a regional thing because skunk ape deals more in like you know the the Florida swamps. No, I'm I opposed to the Sasquatch. I was Bigfoot. Jo- I was joking earlier. I'm not actually an expert. I think a, a skunk ape is a Bigfoot in the swamp. Okay, yeah. So like mostly um, southeast, like Florida, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I I kind of like the skunk ape. Also, in the book I'm reading right now, the Brad Carter one. He really leans in on how foul Bigfoot smells. We don't get a lot of um, odor in this movie. It's a weird thing to say, but there's not a lot of like reaction to paranormal phenomena. No, but we have way more voodoo than I thought we would. There is there, Now, there is a lot of shit going on. And uh, I pulled a few clips to illustrate that. Now, at one point, we are introduced to the Crowley Nature Museum Center. And we're brought in by one of the cast, and he basically just to, just to help set this up a little bit. Imagine a um, haunted house, kind of like uh, what was the Conjuring couple? What are their names? Uh, and and Lorraine Warren. How they have the haunted museum? That's kind of what I imagine. But Clark, you're totally right. It's hard to see anything in here. Yeah. So we're in a um, rural wooden house, two stories. Feels like it should be haunted, and we've got. 18 different experiments going on at one time that will all be captured like the Blackwell goes. By all dudes that look like roadies for hate break. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Now, I've pulled clips to help illustrate this because here's it's a little taste of the movie. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to turn it over. I can't remember who the actual guy leading us through, but we're going to be introduced to people like Bill Brock. We're going to meet RPG. We're going to meet um, uh, Phil and Doris who are manning a dowsing rod. Anyway, let's just jump into it. So here we go. Uh, Skunk Ape. We're entering the Crowley Nature Museum Center. There we go. Hello and welcome to the Crowley Nature Museum. This goes against the grain of every rule that people have put on the paranormal, every little thing that you think they believe. Uh, So if you can't get with that, go ahead and turn this off now. Now, I got a few clips. I think we should uh, reflect on them, kind of break them down. This guy threw a challenge out that paranormal people don't push it far enough. And there was a warning that flashed on screen. If you don't want to be part of this ritual, turn it off now because we're going to open a portal not only here, but everywhere this plays. He gave us an opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) He gave us a shot. He threw the gauntlet down. And uh, 
So we move right into the first room where we learn a little bit about the experiment. And we paid no heed, and now we're haunted. Uh, again, this is going to be Bill Brock talking. We're going to be saying uh, what's called the hymn to Pan. It's a, it's a chant from Aleister Crowley that we've used in the past to really get things really active. You know, So we're going to be using that. And at the same time, our buddy RPG is going to be upstairs doing some crazy stuff that I just never even thought we would ever do. So we have a chant from Aleister Crowley. That we're going to use to try and... Int- now, again, this is the skunk ape experiments. So one thing they don't really talk about is that I think all of this is supposed to get... Like, imagine a haunted house where you have eight different rooms of experiments happening. None directly related to the Bigfoot. Yeah. But they're hoping to get Bigfoot curious to show up. I guess that's... I, <laughs> again, it is... This thing... There's no, like, central theme... It jumps around. It's confusing. It feels kind of like a Mr. Beast video where it's like, what if we did 48 experiments to try and get Bigfoot? This was a painfully long hour. I, I disagree. Now, you're not a fan of crypto stuff, and I wouldn't really say I am either. This is definitely an easier watch than 90% of Also, that there genre. were reenactments. Yeah, and the reenactments were a little fun. But anyway, he hinted at an experiment going on at the same time upstairs. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say what RPG's doing up there, Randy might be into. Randy, you got a guess of what he might be doing up there? Uh, playing guitar with pedals or something? <laughs> How cool or a synth, maybe? They're like, we know Bigfoot's into riffage. So, so gonna- <laughs> here's this crybaby. God, how dare you call him a crybaby? The Wawa. Oh, okay. I thought... Come on, See, dude. No, I thought he was referring to the host who cries later on in the movie. <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, no. All right, so Randy, uh, his guess is that he'll be upstairs playing with guitar pedals. Let's go ahead and check in with RPG, who I would like to mention is wearing a large necklace of uh, what appears to be a still of Bigfoot captured in the Patterson-Gimlin yeah. footage. So just, just to help paint this picture. Uh, he's going to be using uh, hallucinogens, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe some magic mushrooms. And he's going to be uh, doing what's called mirror gazing. He's going to be looking into a mirror and uh, people That's say no good. People, like almost see into another dimension at some point or see things in the mirror. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy theories. <laughs> so, Randy, have, uh, when you were out here in Oakland and psilocybin yes, was legal, uh-huh. had, you, had you ever turned the lights off, gone into the attic? dosed up and sat in front of a mirror alone no but one time when i uh took some and i went to go eat so i took a little bite of one before i went to go eat which was a bad idea because the little bite ended up uh working too much and then i just went into my room afterwards uh and just tried to sleep for like two hours oh my god did you take (laughs) now also i learned this during this documentary um, that if you take vitamin C with the acetylcybin, it will uh, increase the high. So did you take a little vitamin C? No, I'm a vitamin C deficient, actually. <laughs> well, then you double your dose. Yeah, I, uh, when I had taken it before, I drank a little bit of Sunny D with it. You said orange juice. Now you're saying Sunny D. Is sunny D not orange juice? No. Okay, well, I took it's orange It's close. Juice. It's adjacent. I just pulled it's the orange juice for trashy children who wow. are going to be raised as criminals. How dare you insult me? Dude? I'm a Capri Sun kid, dude. Oh Fuck your Sunny D. Yeah. Okay. I had Sunny D and Kool-Aid way to judge me on a public forum. Dude. That's really fucked up. 
Anyway, so. anyway, taking um psilocybin while sitting in front of a mirror staring at yourself sounds horrifying. Honestly, if this if this whole movie was just about that guy's experience, I would probably be more into it. <laughs> anyway, we're not done. There's more going on here. So let's go ahead and jump into another room and see what's going on. Hi, I'm here as a psychic. I'm going to be doing everything psychically, experimenting with thousand rods and pendulum. My daughter Doria is going to be here using all sorts of ghost hunting equipment, so she's going to be more technical than I am. <laughs> now, I'm a little bit offended. Um, Phyllis here. Is she's going to be manning the dowsing rod? Yeah. Now I don't fuck with the dowsing rod. I kind of believe them. I uh, I know our government has a history of hiring people to help locate water on farms for uh, you know when we want to drill a well, and they use dowsing rod. There's there's a strong history. We should get Kai on the show. Also, especially with this lady because she looks like a toad. She, I don't know. She's got very um Zelda vibes. Oh, from yeah, hundred percent. Which I mean, I love her. So I, I, I like this. Lady. She's Zelda without the cool voice. That's true. She's which uh, real makes her suck. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. And here's the thing. Her daughter, she says she's going to be more technical. She'll be manning some EVP. No, nobody gives a fuck about that. Power to the dowsing rod. Also, I don't like how both of you laughed when she said she was going to be doing psychic things. Yeah, <laughs> it was redundant. She said she's a psychic. I'm going to be doing things psychically. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> Also, Clark, do you do any rod dowsing lately? Dude. <laughs> Bro. Every morning. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go back up to RPG, who's going to explain. Oh, so, okay. Isn't he an MMA guy? RPG? Yeah. No, he's a role-playing guy. Now, oh, what am I thinking? Like JPP. That? What am I thinking? Of? What's that guy's name? What? The Canadian guy in UFC. Jordan Peterson? <laughs> RPP, JPP, I know who you're talking CPT. about. Isn't he like French Canadian? Yeah, now? what's his name? Randy's looking JRD. At Randy's like, this acronym is wrong because I can find nothing. St. Pierre? Is that who you're thinking of? Yeah, J GSP. G yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. OPP. GSP, my favorite uh, MMA fighter. There you go. All right, so we got more. Randy, rooms. cut all of <laughs> <No. that>. <laughs> <laughs> This time we're going upstairs. We're actually going to talk to RPG who is uh, manning yeah. something called the Atomic Flashlight, which I think is supposed to attract the, a band, a popular band. Hey, we'll just jump into it. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most feared recent paranormal experiment you can do. This is Patrick Jackson's Atomic Flashlight done by the RPG. What you have here is he built something that creates an atomic light signature um, that is a pattern that is constantly fluctuating and what it should do is draw the Foo Fighters or, or these <laughs> spheres down um, to check out this light source to be like what the Rest hell in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Kind of smoke pellets and, and the IR lights uh, basically what we're having is a paranormal rave a techno paranormal rave so what they're trying to do is bring back Taylor Hawkins is that <laughs> what I'm learning here thank you dude I fuck with the techno paranormal rave that's actually my favorite thing to do. And I, I genuinely, like, we, we watch a lot of weird stuff. I have no fucking clue what he's talking about, drawing the Foo Fighters in. Not an idea. I, I don't know what happened in an hour of this thing. <laughs> Did he make this before or after Studio 666? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Oksana, look that up. It's very important to know this. Just put it in Google. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Are the Foo Fighters actually named after like dust particles and 
paranormal investigation? Randy would know. No, I forget what the name comes from, but no, that's not it. Okay, yeah, then I don't know what he was talking about. But I here's the thing. Most cryptid documentaries, you're not getting this kind of action. And if I got a guy talking about a techno-paranormal rave, that's definitely more interesting than like, the Mothman was in the field. For sure. And then you see like an artist illustration that was pulled off of Google Images. Anyway, we're almost done here. Um, we got a little bit more. RPG's got more tech to share with us. And when they come in, we have this 360 periscope from the Lizzie Borden House in Fall River, Mass. Thank you so much. Uh, and this will track because these spheres use a field-based propulsion system to move, and that gives off static charges. So as it moves around the room to investigate this unknown light signature, it will set this off, and we will see it in lights as it moves around the room. I almost choked on my coffee. I don't know why, but every clip I've played that has gotten funnier and funnier. And yes, I, thank you to the Lizzie Borden house who has yeah. brought us a disco ball. This sh- <laughs> I don't, I don't know what this is. No, did it come from the actual Lizzie Borden house where she murdered a bunch of people with a hatchet? Or is this like a cool Instagram boutique that makes flashing lights for paranormal hunters? Honestly, it could be either. I have no idea. Um, Anyway, let's close this up. We got a little goodbye here. Actually, it's a little bit more of a mission statement from the team over here at the Skunk Ape Experiments. Ladies and gentlemen, people don't want to push the envelope. What are we doing if we're not going to the edge of reality and, and diving in head first? We're doing this for you. We're doing this for us. And let's hope this works. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Wayne. God, it sounds like <laughs> yesterday, and we're going to talk about this at the end. Um, we all saw Nope, so we're going to talk about Nope. But did you guys see the trailer for uh, Oppenheimer? Unfortunately, Before, yeah. The new Christopher Nolan thing no. that comes out 11 months from now. I saw the uh, Fathom event, so they don't fuck with trailers on that. Oh, uh, okay. uh-huh. um, That sounds like the Oppenheimer trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, again, all of that like betting music and all of the transitions, the craft, like the technical craft, the editing, all of that was spot on. There's a lot of animation in here. Again, man, the cryptid world, they just need a little bit of artistic infusion. You know, when, when me and Clark were watching this, we started talking about a former guest we had on five years ago to promote um, the, uh, oh my God, it's my favorite short, Legend of the Skunk Ape. Swan Song, Swan Song of the Skunk Ape. The Swan Song of the Skunk Ape. That is my favorite artistic piece ever on a Bigfoot. It captures your imagination. It's what a not, sentence. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not like trying to trick you. It's an honest approach. It's got like a lot of Errol Morris characters in there. It's a very, it's an outsider's perspective that isn't like, it's not being mean. We're not being judgmental and we're just, we're kind of playing. We're letting them take us through this, this, I don't want to say fantasy, but this um, other world. Fantastic film. Uh, Brad Abrams? Was Abrahams. It? I was putting his last name in. Brad, Brad Abrahams. Uh, I'd like to get him back on the show, honestly. And we looked up a couple of the work, the, the films he made after talking to us. One of them is about a dude who used to illustrate Sesame Street mm-hmm. and then made a shift into uh, conspiracy theories. And again, in the hands of Brad, we know that he's going to be nice to this dude and treat him fairly. Yeah. And then we look at another documentary and it's the folklore of Mount Shasta people. Oh man. <laughs> Holy shit. That Mount Shasta thing looks wild. It looks fantastic. So um again, uh if you're sitting here 
thinking, why are we talking about skunk apes? It's because y'all voted for it. Actually, I think one of the filmmakers might have voted for this too. And, uh, shout out to you. We're gonna we're gonna treat everything that wins these polls fairly, honestly. Uh, Clark clearly is not a fan. I think if you're into cryptid stuff and you watch a lot of paranormal shows on Amazon Prime per se, uh, check this one out. It's it's better than most of the stuff out there. Um, again, issue one, we're referring to the comic book theme going on. There are said to be two more of these coming out. Oh, also. Uh, these filmmakers made another short that is the whole thing on YouTube. Yes. What's it called? The Booger of Boogeyman or <laughs> the Bordenfield Booger? <laughs> Do you remember Clark? Yeah. Bo- Bodkin Booger or something? Yeah. Bodkin Booger. And um, they had somebody running around the mask under a bridge with a lantern. It looks uh, Goblin 2 adjacent. <laughs> Troll 2 adjacent. Like a goblin from that. What's it called? Hey, shoot for the stars. Barden Booger. The Barden Booger. Tales of the Barden Booger. The most fearsome cryptid known to man. The Barge People Booger. So check these dudes out. They're uh they're making the dreams come true. And if I had a stinger, I would play an outro right now. We really need one. If you have any ideas out there, go ahead and uh overlook our at gmail.com. Alright. Anything else? <laughs> Did I sap your energy with this? I'm you got awesome. the email right that time. I did. And I'm very proud of myself. Now, if I could only get incantation right 100% of the You're time. You're my incantation. Randy. Yes, sir. Well, you know, what'd you say? This movie, this movie, this week I watched the movie, not at the Plaza Theater. Holy balls. It was not a David Lynch film either. Holy Ooh. balls. Uh, I did see a documentary called Fire of Love, uh, which Neon picked up, and it's also a National Geographic documentary. And you're back. <laughs> it's, uh, so it's a film about this couple who were volcanologists, uh, just essentially studying volcanoes and kind of how they work uh, no. throughout the what 70s and the 80s. Yes, Star Trek. Dude. Yeah, dude, you're totally wrong. I've never seen an episode in my entire life. <laughs> Uh, Say it's about this French couple, Maurice and Katya Kraft, um, and their essentially journeys just um, studying volcanoes, like I said, throughout the 70s and the 80s. Uh, They eventually died during a volcano explosion in 91. Uh, That's not really a spoiler. It's pretty much like in the trailer and it's front loaded in like the first five minutes of the movie. Um, But yeah, this movie is told all in archival footage. So they shot like hundreds of reels of just their studies of volcanoes. They would get like extremely close to volcanoes, get really incredible footage. Uh, and it's all on 16 millimeter film uh, because they weren't working with digital back then. Uh, so all the footage looks amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of just, it's not really super scientific, which I wasn't sure if it was going to be or not just cause it's like a Nat Geo documentary. Um, but it's kind of just tells like, as the title says, it kind of tells a love story between this couple that were like obsessed with volcanoes and nature and kind of like trying to figure out how they work. And they, towards the end of their life, they were kind of like trying to warn governments, like when warning signs of a big volcano were happening. So they were kind of like trying to get people to understand like how these things work so they could like, you know, evacuate uh, cities or towns or whatever, when a potentially a big one was gonna, gonna explode. But um, all the footage is filmed. Uh, like I said, on 16 millimeter, and you could tell that the 
uh, Maurice, uh, the husband, it feels like he's very inspired by French New Wave, the way that he shoots everything. Like, he's shooting a documentary, but there's, like, a lot of these, like, really quick zooms. Um, and he's really good at filming, like, the scale of, like, nature and the volcanoes and everything. Uh, both of them are kind of quirky. They both, like, look like characters out of um, a Wes Anderson movie. Um, the Life Aquatic, they look kind of like the, those characters. Like, they are both wear, like, red beanies and... I don't know, a very, uh, very cute couple. And, uh, the way that everything is shot just like looks really good. Um, so be besides their archival footage, there's some interviews that they would do on TV and stuff. And then there's also, um, a little bit of animation here and there. And it's kind of done in like a little like paper cutout, sort of like stop motion, uh, type of style. Um, yeah, it was all very good. Um, yeah, it doesn't get too much into their death. It kind of shows like the last image of them they were in japan um studying and filming a volcano and that is when they passed away but it doesn't get a doesn't get too sad it ends on like a pretty high note um yeah if you can see this on the big screen i think it's going to be on disney plus in the next like couple months or something but um yeah if you could see it on the big screen i would highly suggest it because the footage is incredible what what are we doing on this show <laughs> Hey, it's what? a good film. It, it played Sundance. It played a bunch of festivals. Sarah Dosis is the director. I didn't, uh, I didn't mention we that. Go, we go from Florida skunk ape, <laughs> you know, roadies and hate breed to <laughs> a love triangle volcano movie shot by the, Disney. Shot in a French New Wave uh, patina. <sighs> Where else are you going to get boys and girls? I know. Also, uh, my recommendation is just don't build around a volcano. And I say that having lived my whole life in an earthquake uh, epicenter. So yeah, yeah, right. Coming. Oh, I can't wait. You need to, you need to get your earthquake cherry popped. Yeah, Randy, what are you talking about? I've lived through like ninety-seven earthquakes. Nah, not been not here. a good one though. Eighty-nine was our last good one. You were barely alive. I was barely alive, and it changed. Do you my remember life. it? Oh, I remember. You remember? Yeah, I was watching the baseball game when it happened. You were like five. Hell my yeah. mom dragged me under a doorway, which I guess is actually a bad thing to do now. Who knows? Yeah, huh. Who cares. Do you I think remember? I was eleven months old. I wasn't in this country. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they were still training her. They to got be, uh, they got earthquakes in Ukraine. I don't. Just war. Yeah, just war. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy. <laughs> Get the segue from war. Uh, war is hell. Uh, hell is other people. Uh, Thanks, Henry Rollins. <laughs> My second recommendation is a uh, film that I already recommended before, but um, I have been, uh, you know, shopping the uh, the Blu-ray market recently because I moved into a new house that has too much space for one person and three quarters of my movies are in Pleasanton, California, uh, that I need to get shipped out to me. So I'm filling the void of my house and my soul by buying uh, Blu-rays. Uh, I went to Factory 25, which I wasn't too familiar with, and I bought the Blu-ray for a film called Ham on Rye, directed by Taylor Taromina. Talked about it on here before. It's, uh, it's a very, like, kind of strange, uh, very independent film. Um, that takes place in LA, but it doesn't really feel like an LA movie, but um, yeah, it's kind of like a coming of age film. The first half kind of feels like this weird idealistic 
uh, like John Hughes movie, but like kind of also like that 70s show. And then like the second half uh, feels like a Richard Linklater, like, but almost more stonery. Um, it's very good. And uh, the Factory 25 Blu-ray has some cool writing from the director and from the cinematographer and the producer, um, just kind of about how they made the movie and how like, there's like a ton of people in this movie. It's a pretty big cast. And like, I think most um, are like first time actors um, and everyone's great in it. And uh, yeah, it kind of just talks about how, you know, how independent this shoot was and how fast they had to shoot and how they're working with a lot of like younger kids, like teenagers. And apparently some of them just like walked off set and like they had to kind of just figure a lot of shit out. Um, and it was cool because the cinematographer also talks about kind of his like style points that he was looking for and how he doesn't necessarily think that he achieves it, but he likes the way that it came out. And uh, yeah, if you, uh, I don't know, are in the, the market for a uh, weird indie comedy drama, kind of surreal type of thing. That's Ham on Rye, and uh, the Blu-ray is great. It also has commentary, which I need to check out. Also, as a reminder, it has nothing to do with Bukowski. Correct. This is better, even though I've never read Ham on Rye. Bro, you'd be a Bukowski guy. Yeah, probably. You know, you're white and angry. <laughs> <laughs> Am I angry? And now a drunk. <laughs> I'm more of a Kerouac guy. Oh, of course you are, because you're gay. <laughs> Got three of his books on the shelf back here. As a reminder, Kerouac. I don't know Kerouac. He's so. a pedophile. Oh, he is. Yeah. What, can you tell me a little more? He had sex with children. <laughs> <laughs> and then wrote about it? <laughs> and Randy bought all his books? Yeah, dude. All right. Just three yeah. of them. <laughs> I unfortunately have some Woody Allen films, too. <laughs> it's fine. And Polanski? Uh, yeah, a couple. Well, you know, you know who the new um, Victor uh, Salva. What's that guy's name? No, uh, you know the um, powder Woody Allen having legally married a child he raised. Yes, you know who yeah. the new guy who did that is, right? Who? No, dude, it's uh, Elon's dad, Errol. What? Yeah, he married a girl that he uh, actually he impregnated her. Oh, yeah, thirty six years older, I believe he is. Yikes! But yeah, he's the new Allen, dude, Woody. Congratulations. <laughs> so I can't wait to see uh, Randy and some Errol Musk merch. <laughs> Randy, anything else? Uh, no, just some things that we'll talk about uh, when you guys talk about them, but that's it. All right. Well, I think one of those is going to be right now. As this week. Not sure what day because days don't matter to me. All right. I'm out there in my own universe living my life. Okay. And. I, I consider myself, I, I do a service on this show I, I because I, I feel like, thank you, Ozzy, <laughs> you know, we, we have, you know, I think we run the gamut of the audience that listens to this show and I am an extension of people's fantasy life because people that listen to this show, they've got, you know, they're in, they're in relationships they've got responsibilities <laughs> they've got people that love them and they get stuck in their own universe and they see me as an extension of this fantasy life where i can just move and i can move freely about the cabin with nothing tying me down no love 
No commitment. That's why I can do Kookaburra Saturdays. Because <laughs> I live my own life. So days mean nothing to me. So one day last week, I believe it was on Friday, may have been the day that this film was released, on Shutter, documentary called This Is Wall. Now, I was very excited for this because, number one, as we all know, Guar means a lot to me. I love Guar. Guar's one of my favorite, not only favorite bands, it's just one of my favorite things on this planet. Because when we think about what Guar, and I think that this is the, the strength of this film, and I'm just, look, you know, we, we nitpick things on the show and we nitpick documentaries a lot and because, you know, I feel like in the past 15 years, documentaries have turned into this different thing. And we are oversaturated with documentaries. And I think that the formula of popular documentaries just beats you over the head with it. And they become static on Netflix. And like that's, that's what the majority of the documentaries have just turned into spoon feeding and talking heads. And like, that's cool for certain things. Um, and the majority of times is talking about, you know, a murder in Oklahoma with someone who didn't know who their true identity was. Like, it's all bullshit. And this documentary just serves as a historic document of a band that's been together for 30 years. And it's a band and it's, it's an art collective of there's been over a hundred people involved with Guar. Um, as a part of that band, and they named them all at the end. Oh, right. And um, you can just tell that the people involved with this, you know, they cared about the subject matter, and they have, a, you know, the majority of the people in the documentary are people in Guar talking about the history of the band. And, you know, this is, it's nearly two hours long, but, you know, you're covering 30 years, and, dude, four years into the band, Band members are already talking about, well, we thought this was it. <laughs> because there's just so much effort and so everyone has to be on the same page. And if you've ever been to a Guar show, you get that. Now, I've been to, I think I've seen Guar six or seven times. And, you know, hey, look, sometimes you're going to have a bad show. And, um, but the production value, there's always an effort there and there's always thoughtfulness. And Guar has always been a thoughtful band. And Guar has also been a band that will attack both sides. Um, you know, they've gone after the right. They've gone after the left. They've gone after everyone. They have killed every major president. <laughs> they've killed every president in the last 30 years. Um, they have killed, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, Elon Musk. I saw them cut the tits off of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, they, they've covered a lot of ground. In 30 years. And um, in the same show, they killed Hillary Clinton and they killed a Fox News anchor. Yeah. Like, you know, th that's <laughs> the thing. They, they're, they just every nothing is sacred. And that is what's connected me. That is what connected me with Guar of like, we're just we're going to do our own thing. And that's what punk rock is to me. That's what I always felt like. And I think that at their at their core, Guar is punk. And Dave Brocky was that. and. This documentary did a very, of, naturally, they spent a lot of time talking about Dave Brockie. And of course, Dave Brockie's no longer with us, which is, um, they have some archival footage of him talking about the early days of the band. But, um, you know, they just really talk about, you know, how 
much of a personality he was and how he did not like sharing the spotlight, which is an interesting position at Guar because there's a lot there's there's a lot of moving parts. And um but it's also very clear that this was, you know, he thought of this as the Dave Brocky show. And that caused some tension within the band. Um, specifically with uh one band member um who uh left uh early on um techno when he left and uh but i i again that's a separate thing in the documentary where they kind of bring him back and i don't know man i really enjoyed it it's long but i had a blast because it's just it serves as a historical document for you know um a band that means a lot to a lot of people because of what they have represented and just really their expression of art because they're, they're all art school kids from Virginia Commonwealth. And the whole purpose of the band was that, you know, Dave Rocky was like, look, art fucking sucks. <laughs> they, they fucking sit here and they talk about this squiggly line and that squiggly. It's all bullshit. And we're talented, so we're going to do our own thing. And that's exactly what they did. And, and no one has been like Guar. Um, and, uh, y- and, you know, they, they got big, but they never got as big as I think they could have. And I think a lot of that had to do with Dave Rocky just being the difficult artist that he was. As, you know, um, Guar, Guar never really had any major radio hits because he would, his lyrics were, uh, horrendous. And, and that co- sort of dragged down the band. And then, you know, in retrospective, he was like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said, you know, fuck 19 times. Song <laughs> or something like that. Um, I don't know, man, if, if you're a fan of the band, if you're a fan of the band, you'll love it. And, uh, now Randy is not a fan of the band. He did watch it, but I mean, Randy, I, I imagine I, I hit on some, some things there. Uh, you know, I, I imagine that you were able to, to watch this and, and have some appreciation. And, uh, that was, that's it. Yeah, I, I definitely don't disagree that Guar is punk rock. I mean, they came, it sounds like, from the Richmond, Virginia area, like punk rock scene. Yeah. And I, you know, I dug the parts of music that were played uh, in that part of the documentary. And I definitely think that their ethos and everything definitely is punk rock. So I appreciate all that. I just, I don't know. I just don't like the uh, theatrics and the accoutrement of Guar. And I don't really care for, like, the metal music. But it was interesting. Um especially like sort of like when they were gaining um, like notoriety and stuff, like how they kind of like Beavis and Butthead is kind of like the thing that propelled them. So I kind of definitely remember that from watching Beavis and Butthead when I was probably too young to be understanding it. Yeah. Um, so that was all interesting, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, I, w- I did kind of like look at the runtime before I was like, yeah, it seems long, but it did go by pretty fast. But it just didn't feel as dense as something like, uh, the Sparks documentary, which might be like one of the best music docs that I've seen like in a while, especially since I knew hardly anything about them besides uh, Annette. But yeah, no, I, I was fine with This Is Guar. Yeah, Russ, I think you should watch it. All right. Well, <clears throat> the Sparks documentary, you kind of messed me up there because I, I constantly think of music docs in between uh, the P. Lander Z doc and the theory of obscurity or whatever the fucking residence one. Yeah. And the P Lander Z again, P Landers, actually all these bands are similar. They have like stage personas and they're not very public in the P Lander Z, uh, doc. I believe it's called, uh, what is that? Tiger, uh, belly. no, not tiger belly. You look tiger blood. 
Tiger Tony. <laughs> no, but in that doc, it's Cinema Mad Verte. Tiger. Mad there, Tiger. Thank you. Uh, in Mad Tiger, you it's Cinema Verte, and you can go behind the scene, and you get a lot of inside shit that nobody has gotten but that documentary crew. And it's also very, they go to the bottom of the hill. It's very um, personal. I did see them at. Oh, they are they in bottom of the hill in, that in, in the in the dock? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I mean, my experience was I watched them at the DNA Lounge right after, and it was fantastic. Um, and then Theory of Obscurity, where the band is kind of hyping their own shit again. The band we don't know who's in it, but they're all clearly in that dock, very clearly. And I mean, again, I had two experiences that kind of affected the way that I experienced both films. But that dock, I will forever think of as like VH1 Talking Head offered nothing but a door to get in and kind of join in in the party but it doesn't even really do that well where um the sparks one did do a good job of that and it was it felt welcoming so i'm going to kick out the residents there and where does guar fall in between p lander z and uh the sparks dock i mean look it, it again this is a like i said it's sort of a historical document of the band okay that's kind of how you think do we have any document. live footage backstage stuff oh like, yeah like uh now i will say i love the, the opening of this is great it opens up with one of the stagehands in the back talking about how he makes the fake blood oh, and okay. how he um and dude that guy has lived a life well he, here's the thing that's what i want is like cinema verte like we're here we've been given access because we're making this thing yeah which the sparks documentary had a lot of but it's not really stage it's more like in real life which I think, if you're a Sparks fan, was probably more interesting, honestly. Yeah, they just um, like one, you know, they they tell stories of like Dave Brocky, um, how for oh. during one entire tour, um, and this was one of the guitarists, uh, one of the uh, the flattest Maximuses. I think there's four of them. <laughs> um, uh, I also, I think he's uh, what's the band he's working with? against me or no okay. or something? Is that Rise a band? Against? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Very guy, big Rise Against, yeah. Oh, they're a big band? Yeah. I tried to listen once. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that guy was cool, though. I liked him. And he was telling the story that for one entire tour, Dave Brocky did not break character when he... Um, where on he, and off? On and off, as he was the Terminator. Oh. He only wore leather jackets and sunglasses and only talked like the Terminator. Even in character? Like, as... Uh, no, 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 okay. not 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 when okay. he was on stage, but like when he was off stage, he didn't break that character. Why was it a dare? He just for two months, he was just the Terminator. <laughs> Tight. And then one time they said they were in New Orleans and they were walking down the street and Dave Brocky sprints by and only had on sunglasses, a leather jacket and no pants mm -hmm. and just was running by. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool dude. Yeah. Also, um, Shudder has this out right now, and I don't know if I love or hate their weird non-horror lineup stuff. Like, they, they have the Spine of Night on there. But I feel like it's a good home for this. It's adjacent for sure. But I'm like, I don't know, where does it and end? And I'm telling you right now, I think that this is, uh, people are digging this. I, I haven't seen anyone, you know, saying anything negative about it. I think Shudder's a great place for it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, where else would it? I mean, Netflix, obviously. Actually, I don't know. I don't People... know, man. I, I, I think it was a good pickup by Shudder. And because, uh, you know, Guar, everyone knows it. They know of Guar. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I think this is a nice, nice little documentary. Cool. Better yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch it. It's great. I don't know. I don't want to get emotional. I, I got a little teary. Yeah, I got, not, I got, I got a little that. teary. Um, when they, sh- they showed, uh, the Viking funeral when yeah. they, uh, burn. Yeah. 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 They retired the character. Also watch mad tiger. That's a great documentary. I love it. Um, okay. Uh, next thing I want to go into, uh, very briefly, I just want to say that the Russo brothers can go suck <laughs> it truly. Um, th- apparently they came out and said that um cinema doesn't need to be they said that the whole theory that uh theaters are temples of cinema if someone could pull that up see what the article said exactly but they said that theory was bullshit and that you don't need to go to a theater to enjoy a film now hold on i'm sure there are people like me who until we were about to record i had no idea who the russo brothers were but i think a lot of people have experience with it so they're little marvel boys they 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 got their now the first film they made uh was you me and dupree the classic <laughs> you me and dupree then they ventured off into marvel town um i winter soldier was at their first one um oh they did arrested development too yeah i'm what, a fan of that what marvel movies did they do they were on community then we get uh winter soldier yep uh captain america civil war avengers infinity war avengers endgame Oh, boo. I hate them. Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, name the movies they did after that. Cherry. Um, Cherry. Cherry Lady. Shout out to my European pop music. The Gray Man. Yeah. (laughs) God, Clark's look of disgust. (laughs) Cherry is truly one of the worst movies I've seen in recent memory until I saw The Gray Man yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) They can't make a movie outside of their little Marvel formula. And how dare them talk about how, you know, theaters are bullshit because they make bullshit. Fuck the Russo brothers. They don't know how to make a goddamn movie outside of their little Marvel fucking pandering bullshit. I fucking well, okay. suck it. Now, outside of the Marvel thing, when I think of Marvel movies, I think of uh, you're playing off of um, stories that have already been told. So what you're doing is adapting them for a screen. Yeah. It's IP and it's unlimited money. So you can really you're just making fan service films. And now where we are in Marvel, there's that's my opinion. I know some you know the problem with it. this. It, there's there's no empathy in their film. There's no there's no heart. There's no thoughtfulness. Yeah, because you're just kind of like translating text. Exactly. Yeah, they're little zoomer fucks. So in like the Gray Man, is this like an action packed hundred million dollar movie? I'm gonna that- tell you right now. Two days from now, I will have forgotten I saw the Gray Man. <laughs> it's pitiful. It, I mean, it is just... Well, I mean, I bet they do a good UFO, right? Rinse, wash, repeat. The the gray men come out of a... Probably oh, a fan- you wish. You <laughs> wish. <laughs> I was so bummed when you told me that this was not about gray aliens. No. It's about secret agent Ryan Gosling. Here you go. IMDb says, when the CIA's most skilled operatives, who true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agent secrets... A psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Yeah, it's just there's there's nothing there's nothing fresh about this at all. Um, the action sequences they aren't particularly well done. Um, he escapes out of a uh, burning airplane. That sequence looked really bad. It did not look good at all. 
Um, it, it just, it's not good. And they suck. And um, again, you know, we, we talk about, you know, independent films and, you know, um, guys, I would watch a hundred, I'd watch a hundred more of the Skunk Ape documentaries before I'd watch The Gray Man ever again in my life. Um, you know, because these people are going for it. These Russo brothers, they're just cashing checks and snorting coke and not caring about the real person. All right. Would you, would you like to hear some trivia about the gray man? Here we go. The movie's $200 million budget. Oh my God. Makes it <laughs> as of 2021, the most expensive Netflix original movie tied with red notice. Are you cool. kidding me? $200 million. Did Netflix, Netflix fund that? Yeah, that's what it's saying. Two, that's why they're going It broke. looks like <laughs> shit. It looks terrible. <laughs> oh my God, $200 million. Also, I think you called them Zoomers. They're both in their 50s. <laughs> Are they really? Yes. How dare you? Here's another fun uh, trivia. So what are they, boomers? <laughs> I think so. I don't know. They they got Zoomer vibes to me, dude. Ryan Gosling's first ever multi-film franchise role. He had previously turned down Marvel and DC comic film deals. So this is going to be a multi-film thing, or is this part of a... What's going is on it? here? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It stinks, man. It stinks. They're going to do Fifty Shades of Grey Men. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Here's another fun trivia fact. The scenes that took place in Baku were not actually shot in Baku. They were shot in the Czech Republic. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, dude. I just, just make it stop. Wait, so are they talking shit on theaters because they're making films for Netflix? Yeah, I would imagine so. Right? That, yeah. Hey, that makes sense to me. If Netflix well, is also, funding them. That's the thing, man. Like, you watch, you watch their films. They're clearly not fan of film. Because it's not film. Wait, hold on. It says the Gray Man began a limited theatrical release on July fifteenth to be followed by its original release on Netflix in July twenty. Yeah, they they did a theater run. So then it probably bombed in the theater, and then they're like, "Well, fuck I, these." Though they yeah, do Netflix that. does that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Netflix will do like a week or two in the theater, and then the. Oh, yeah. okay. I just want to know where they got beef with it. If you're like a fan of film, why would you talk shit? The on Russo a movie brothers theater? are not. All right, clearly, they're scumbags. <laughs> They said that it's a elitist notion to go to the theater because it's so expensive these days, which I mean, it is kind of expensive, but Randy, let let me tell you this. Me and Clark, we were, uh, (laughs) I was pulling all of the skunk egg clips while he was playing fall guys. And he made a comment about how I'm grounded, uh, while having grown up in California only because I'm poor. (laughs) And I was like, dude, uh, fair point. Uh, but I'm like, how crazy is it? That being poor in today and like living in America looks like this. Like I'm sitting at a table pulling audio from the Stone Cape to talk about on our podcast while he's projecting Fall Guys onto a wall. <laughs> and we're sitting there commenting how, how we're broke. <laughs> and I was eating caviar. Anyway. <laughs> Dude. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go cry. All right. Um, do you got something before the big one? Or no, you got one more. One? I do. Yeah. Uh, remember we got cut off on our Sam Carnation. Oh my God. Oh yes, I did. I fucking said Sam. <laughs> I ruined the goddamn wordplay. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, the Sam Cantation. I was like, hey, 
Nathan Fielder. I love that. We're going to get into it. And you said, no, we're fucking not. And then Randy muted me. And Randy, did, have you watched episode two of the rehearsal? I did. I watched it yesterday. Okay. Let me phrase it this way. Are you back in on the rehearsal now? I'm still kind of lukewarm on it, but what sort of. What the fuck? Okay. So episode two sold me. Again, we're going to talk about the rehearsal. This is uh, Nathan Fielder. If you're not familiar with the comedian, he uh, started with Nathan for you, which I'm not sure how I got turned on to that show, but I ended up watching it on some streaming thing. Randomly. It's brilliant. It's, it's fantastic. I actually, there was a live stream on YouTube last night that was like, best of Nathan for you. And I, I, oh man, I felt it where, you know, normally when I watch junk TV, you can feel getting relaxed and it's like, oh, my day's about to end. And it's only six o'clock. So I had to turn it off. But man, if you haven't watched Nathan for you, watch it. Also, we covered fucking um, a show that he produced. Um, How to with John Wilson. And oh, yeah, fantastic show. But it's definitely got his sensibility in it. And it's a very complicated web he weaves with the narrative of these films. And when we're talking about documentary and cinema verte, he's kind of made an upgrade like a leveled up version of reality tv that's how i think about it now and i heard an interview he did one on a24 during the lockdown with one of the actresses from uh euphoria and he was talking a little bit about his style and he's like well you know i was watching reality tv and i'm kind of like okay that's how you make a show so he literally has taken the sensibility from you know i don't uh, the real world and he's kind of made a valuable narrative here like he's actually captured real emotions and when we stopped recording sam cantation we started talking about rehearsal which is now on hbo uh is hbo of two streaming platforms or is it just one it's just one what's it called hbo max hbo max okay and um clark pleaded with me to watch it and then uh, i watched it and i was so excited to talk about it and clark's like i don't like it i didn't understand the first one I, I, I just, it was um, so much effort, so much money, and I didn't know what we were doing. We're talking about the gray man or the rehearsal? We're talking about episode <laughs> one of the rehearsal. <laughs> so IMDb has it. Nathan Fielder gives people a chance to rehearse for their own lives in a world where nothing ever works out as expected. Now, we are introduced to a character. So here, I don't, it's hard to contextualize this show, but I've been doing it to everybody in my real life because I really want everybody to watch this show. And in the first episode, um, Nathan kind of talks about how they had put out an ad on Craigslist and it said, hey, are you keeping any secrets from your friend? And uh, they had a gentleman reach out and he said, you know, I'm keeping a secret. My whole academic career is a lie. And my my academic situation. My academic situation is a lie. So what happens is Nathan shows up. Um, we have a camera inside the house. Again, reality TV. The camera crew is already there, but we're capturing the meeting for the first education time. situation. Educate. Yeah, that's dude, it. It's a meme. So we have to get it right. Yeah. Anyway, Nathan walks in and he's like, hey, nice to meet you. And he turns to his right. And the way that the architecture is structured is there's a doorway. And then in that door is like a closet and a bathroom. There's a bunch of doors. So he turns right and goes, what is this, Door City? And then, you know, they laugh and they move in. And we get a lot of these little interactions. Uh, we go to a bookshelf. Nathan pulls the book off the shelf and he's like, oh, how to please a woman in the bedroom. Guess we won't be using this today. And, the, you know, the, the dude who's invited him into his house laughs and then they move into another room. And uh, 
he sits down on the couch and Nathan sits down in an uncomfortable looking chair and he talks to him. And he's like, hey, I feel like we're hitting it off pretty well. We got some good chemistry here. And the gentleman who is clearly not the most uh, socially adept, um, he's awkward as hell. He's like, oh, I would say that. Yeah, we're, we're doing OK. And he's also, like, I'm pretty sure he has a Beijing. What's that? This is a term I learned from uh, rapper Danny Brown um, that in the African-American community. Um, you can paint on your hair. Oh. And paint on your beard. <laughs> huh. And I think he had a little bit of a paint. I could, I could see that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he agreed with Nathan and he's like, yeah, I think it's going pretty well. And Nathan's like, well, what if I told you I've rehearsed this interaction 33 times? Now, I don't know if that's the actual number, but he just he, went straight to JC. Yeah. He, yeah. 33. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. He's like, no, um, remember when uh, some people showed up and said you had a gas leak last week? He's like, you didn't have a gas leak. We were taking a 3D model of your house. So they cut to some footage of these dudes pretending to be like city workers who were scanning every room of his house, like not just the architect, but the furniture, not just the bookshelves, but what was on the bookshelves. The books. So cut to a warehouse somewhere where they've rebuilt everything. Now. You know, imagine it's uh, like when we shoot Blu-ray Tuesday, we do that in our front room and behind Terrell, we have a bunch of Blu-rays. So those shelves are completely colored and everything. They're all white, but all of the labels are there. So it would say every single movie. And that's kind of how he knew that book was there. And he just runs them through. We hired an actor who looks and acts like you. He studied you. And basically, I've run this scenario over and over and over of us meeting for the first time. To make sure this goes perfectly. He's like, well, now, what if I told you we could do that for you? And he's like, what do you mean? Now, the dilemma with the education situation is referring to uh, this gentleman goes to a trivia night at the Alligator Bar. What's it called? The Yeah. Alligator Lounge. Alligator. It's in Brooklyn. I looked it up. So he goes there regularly with a group of people who all have master's degrees. And he lied about also having one. This has been eating him up for years, and he's particularly worried about one uh, friend who he describes as potentially getting violent if she were to learn about his true education situation. So Nathan's like, well, if you want to work with us, we can guarantee that you can reveal your secret and have it in a controlled environment. So uh, we're kind of introduced to, honestly, at this point, when I was watching it, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, this is just weird. It feels like a faux reality. And then we're introduced to what they do. Nathan says, we rebuilt your whole house, but we really have to get everything perfect here because he looks back on the footage. And earlier when I mentioned he looked uncomfortable in that chair, he's like, we had set this up ahead of time. I knew I was going to sit there, but I didn't account for the fact that your chair would be so uncomfortable and make me look dumb. And he's like, we can't allow that when we have you out there. So they build. Now, this it's giving me goosebumps, but they perfectly replicate the fucking alligator lounge. And when I mean perfectly, I mean, I've never been in that bar, but when our crew showed a side by side and it's, you know, it, this is a building that shares walls with their neighbors, right? They've literally ripped what looks like the building out and put it in an empty warehouse. It's surreal feeling. It feels like a Yorgos Lanthimos film or something. And then you walk into it and it's. It's almost terrifying. It's, it's horrifying, in fact. Everything. They got... So, you know, when you go to a bar that's a neighborhood 
setting and it's loved. You know, maybe there's a stool that you like that's got a particular tear in it. Well, they've replicated that tear. And uh, maybe you have a favorite bartender. Well, they've hired bartenders that look like the other bartenders. Balloons? Uh, There's a balloon up by a vent that he points out. He's like, hey, see that balloon up there? He's like, that balloon's in the real bar right now. Like, we've we've gone down to that detail. (laughs) It's terrifying. See, but that was, honestly... The first episode is 45 minutes, and I feel like the majority of the episode is like, oh, look at well, this cool stuff we did. And it just felt empty to me because the education situation, that was a zero. <laughs> but, but then I understand where you're coming from, and then you think about the whole big picture, and like, yes, if you really think about you know, sort of the ethos of what we're doing, it's like, what's the purpose of anything? I get all that. That's all cute and fun. But when we get to episode two... Wait, hold on. Let, don't yada yada. Because we had this conversation off mic before and you made me, you forced me to think about it. Now I was uh, three hits in after recording um, Sam Cantation and you, you forced me to think about what are we doing in this show? And I said, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a dude who I didn't realize I was very anxious until my late twenties. And what anxiety was for me, I used to think was a, a uh, advantage. Like if I had a job interview, I would think about every fucking thing that could go wrong in that job interview over and over and over. And it took me a while to realize, oh, that's not a healthy thing. Yeah. Like, this is what you call anxiety. You're building up this situation that ultimately doesn't fucking matter. And you're, it's haunting you. And I think this dude with his education situation is perfect because it's the stupidest fucking secret you could ever have. Yeah. And then when you meet the girl that he's going to reveal it to, she's not going to get violent. What the hell was he talking about? And they it's I can't tell if this is actually a remedy or a it's it's like uh, exacerbating the problem where it's like, okay, like there's a moment that honestly, uh, I think will attach to my anxiety forever now where it's like he wanted to tell her, but he had drank all his drink. So a bartender showed up at the table and was like, oh, would you like another drink? But it cut him off. So then Nathan walks up next to her and says, all right, um, I think we should make a note that when you're delivering the message, you should not finish your drink. Because interruptions like this are going to happen and we really need to control this. We really need to have a closed environment. And I'm like, oh my God, that's good advice. Also, he's got like a baby Bjorn for his laptop. (laughs) Nathan being there in that A24 interview, he talked about how he is genuinely awkward, but he's really got to amp it up on the show. Like he's like, you know, awkward people, we tend to make excuses or apologize for being awkward. He's like, the one thing I do on the show is I just live in it. I don't apologize. and I. He's like, and I die inside. He's like, it's like a knife inside, just turning while I'm staring at somebody. And I know I said something dumb, but I can't walk it back. And um, again, I think the show is anxiety personified. So if you're like me and Randy and probably Clark, definitely not Oksana. She's immune to the shit. Uh, I think the show can speak to you. And I, it's only important. when we ask her to talk on microphone. I do. <laughs> but yeah, episode two, I think I'm, I feel different than you. Randy's lukewarm on it you're very excited about it uh, to to uh, because i it it makes more sense to me of this very elaborate game that we're playing and the subject matter going into episode two that is going to be stretched out to multiple episodes as i would imagine um it's got to be it makes more sense to me and now that nathan's injecting himself into the plot yeah also is more interesting so I, 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 it just, we're building now and it makes more sense to me than just like, Hey, we've got money. 
Let's spend it frivolously. I don't. I think his craft and his like humor is so empathetic that at the end of episode one, oh man, I felt like I was gonna have a goddamn panic attack. Oksana was sitting next to me the whole time, I, freaking the fuck out yeah. about this dumbass interaction that was gonna happen <laughs> in a bar. And I don't want to ruin the end of episode one again. If you're like a found footage fan, this is very in world camera. This is a genre that doesn't get a lot of a uh, talk. I would say like kind of like jackassy um, reality, but faux reality. Yeah. Watch just episode one. That's all you got to do for me. And the, the ending is so brutal. Oh, it's making me. Ugh. And also uh, I'll close with this and uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak for Randy on here, but I think that uh, Randy struggles with this because he kind of sees this as a little bit of a turf war. Oh, with his boy, John Wilson. Wait, really? No, uh, I mean, I, I like Nathan Fielder. I mean, I do like how to with John Wilson uh, tremendously, and I think it's a great show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of with Clark on this. It feels like there's a lot of uh, commitment and work that goes into this show that you can't really, uh, since it's real life, you know, you can't really gauge what the payoff's going to be. Oh, for sure. And I didn't really like find much payoff from the first episode, like for how elaborate it was. Um, and I don't know, there's like some funny stuff in it, but you know, his, his, uh, sense of humor is very dry and awkward and very, there isn't a lot of funny stuff really that I found in the first episode, but I don't know. I found more payoff in the second episode just cause there's, uh, more characters and they're uh, a little more wonky than the first episode. We got, we got some personalities in episode two. Oh, yeah. Dude. The, I also the saw play- where it was going though in episode two, but maybe other people did as well. Yeah. But man, episode two. I don't think now here's the thing. So the show shifts a little bit. And in episode two, we're dealing with the girl who wants to explore what it's like to raise a kid. And Nathan is going to try and create her fantasy environment. So she lives in an apartment alone and uh, they get a what? Three acre farmhouse. It's like that, Oregon. In, yeah. In Oregon. And uh, oh, my God, the craft behind this, like hiring hundreds of children actors because they have a four hour limit. It's wild. And then also he ships the bar to Oregon because he says he's feeling lonely. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, Randy. I think you got to stick with the show because like with John, I Wilson, will. there's a subtext and like a narrative that's being crafted in the background that yeah. is so subtle that it pays off in like dividends. Later that's on. why, because finally in episode two, we're building towards something. Yeah. And that's what that's, I just didn't feel that at all in episode one. And, um, you know, I, I, my expectations have been raised tremendously with two because I think that we're building towards something that, um, again, man, like at this juncture, Nathan Fielder has earned my trust. Yeah. Like uh, I yeah. trust that guy. Um, and you know, the dude, the dude's brilliant. I think he's hilarious. And I think that I'm, I'm really excited of, of what this, uh, you know, finished product's going to look like. Yeah, you know, I I feel bad because it took a lot of time with that first episode. You want to, I don't what these drop every Friday on HBO. Yeah, want to just cover uh some of the baby stuff next week. I'm yeah. down to revisit. Yeah, it. we we we've covered a lot on here. We still got. I know. I'll be quick. I promise. All right, uh, my turn. Uh, probably the thing that will lead off the episode title and the film that most of you, I'm guessing, have seen too, is uh Jordan Peele the newly proclaimed master of horror cinema. Uh, he's our new Hitchcock. <laughs> has returned to the theater. Who, you know what? Thank God, Jordan Peele. 
he respects the church of cinema. He doesn't fuck around. Now I saw a fathom event. Um, I'm not going to get into it yet, but he, uh, he ended getting choked up and walking off stage because he was at a live screening at a theater. He loves in New York mm-hmm. and he was talking about it. Kiki was hosting that Q and a, and I don't think he was joking. He got fucking joked up, had to stop, moved his mic away and just like waved like it. It meant a lot. And uh, I love the man. Fantastic. But before we get into that, I want to paint a little picture because uh, there's a thing that happened off mic that I didn't talk about a couple weeks ago. Uh, Clark, we dragged you out to the Gilman, which is a brewery across the street from the Daily City bar that we go to now. Oh, never mind. And, I thought you meant the venue. No, not the venue, Randy. Put your uh, punk wiener back in your pants. Um <laughs> The Gilman is perfect. We sit over there. We drink some brews, get a pizza. They have an outdoor area with heating. It's very nice. I Actually, I genuinely love it over there. Uh, also, not a lot of people there, which is a bonus for me. Yeah, you want to go to comedy night over they there. They promote a comedy night God. there. Uh, Clark got very mad when I was talking to one of the uh, dudes working there. And I'm like, yeah, he used to be a stand-up comic. And Clark went, all right, goodbye, and walked away. I would love to see Clark take the stage again. Yeah. Anyway. When we went to this show, um, they were having a comedy night. So uh, it was Oksana, um, me, and Terrell went out. And we were out there sitting in the um, lounge area. And they had uh, one of the guys came out and he said, hey, I'm sorry that you guys sat right under the table that I need to get up to turn on the heater for you guys. Um, so if you want to move. And I was like, ah, it's fine, dude. We're cool. He was like, okay. Left. So we were hanging out there and um, we were joined by former engineer of the show nilo so if you're a long time listener i i believe if you listen to episode one through 11 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'll know our little buddy nilo i'll tell you all right now he looks great good. good attitude um he came out had a blast and we were just sitting there hanging out talking uh we all had like a beer hanging out and then um a couple of people walked up to our table and they're like hey uh Hey, and we're like, hey, what's up? I honestly thought they were going to tell us to move so they could turn on the heater. And it's like, hey, so um, I just wanted to come over and uh, check it out. Like, you guys are the talent tonight, right? I was like, uh, nope. <laughs> I was like, I don't- <laughs> He's like, oh, because you guys look like a bunch of characters. I figured uh, you were going to be the comedy talent. Look like a bunch of characters. And I was just like, oh, no, we're, we're talent in a different avenue. We do, like, film stuff. And he was just like, oh, interesting. And uh, I don't know. We started talking about the rehearsal. Uh, these people were fantastic. I don't know if they want to be named on the show, so I'm not going to name them. But um, basically, I got a little insider. I got a little spy. And I went, hey, so you're going to the comedy show? How about uh, you follow up with me and let me know how it went? I'm so curious. Now, to paint this picture, this brewery is in an industrial building that is all like tech offices. Yeah. Now, they have a hidden room in a hallway that's not public access. There's no public access to it. But you go in there, and then they do a comedy show. That's where the show is? That's where the show is. So uh, we followed each other on Instagram. And uh, he's like, I'll follow up with you. So we took a Terrell feed. If you follow Terrell on Instagram, uh, what is he's not Blu-ray Junkie on there. He's Terrell88. You can see the picture. Anyway, they, uh, he followed up with me next day. He said, uh, we were the only people there. <gasps> oh, <laughs> it's my nightmare. Been there. Oh my God, it makes me. Show must go on, dude. Oh, and he, hey, these two are troopers. And they're like, no, it's fine. We were there. We hung out. Um, all the people were great. We went out after with them and drank at another bar. Uh, fantastic people. There you go. And, I, and they were like, hey, let us know next time you guys do a show. And I'm like, 
Yeah, you're invited to everything. If you can sit through eight comics and be the only two people in the fucking crowd, <laughs> oh my god, I would I would have a goddamn I would collapse. It's tough. It's tough. I would die. It's tough. I don't miss those days. And it's not a all. fucking bar. It's not like there are people there not for the show. Yeah. You're in an isolated room. Oh, I couldn't do it, man. Yeah, well, yeah, weeks ago when you asked the bartender, the bartender made it sound like that, you know, this is uh He's like, new, this the new comedy store. Well, I asked him, I said, are you guys doing open mic? Or like, and he was like, no, no man, no. it's legit. They're legit. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, this, <laughs> this is garbage. No, and he said that they have another um, location where they started doing it and they started selling out every night. And I'm like, hey, I love local shit, like events. Like, so I, I want to support. I definitely will go to one of these have eventually. Fun. I will. And don't worry, I'm going to get you booked. It's not happening. Paid gig, Clark Little. We so told, we told him about the, uh, the roast that you were performing at that we brought Terrell out to. <laughs> he was long. Yeah, Terrell's like, I got kicked out of the last comedy show I went to. <laughs> he was a drunk nuisance. Yeah, but he was cheering you on, so that's all we need. He was cheering you on. You could hear him from the goddamn street after they kicked him out. <laughs> we love Terrell. Anyway, we ran across the street to the uh, Joe Coy convention where they happened to be showing Nope. Now, if Joe Coy doesn't ring a bell with you, he's a Filipino comedian, a.k.a. Uh, the Lord and Savior of Daily City. He's one of the biggest comedians on the planet. Yeah. And also, do you know who he just recently broke up with? Who? He was a power couple with Chelsea Handler. Really? They just broke up. Dude, I honestly, if you're sitting there going, who the fuck is Joe Coy? Don't feel bad. I had no idea. Half of God, 80% of the people I grew up with are Filipino. They all go, you don't know the fuck Joe Coy is? Dude, Joe Coy is massive. So you get into the theater. Um, also, Daily City, they will print out your ticket if you ask them. Just a little insider tip, because I love to have those ticket stubs. Uh, right behind them, they had a table of Joe Coy shirts. Oh, dude. So Terrell, who also had no idea who Joe Coy was. Again, Terrell, I'm so sorry, but I got to tell this story. Went up there and said, how do I get a shirt? And they're like, oh, you got to be part of the screen. You went, oh, fine, whatever. So we go upstairs. There are so many fucking giddy Filipinos everywhere. Also, um, the Filipino people who make up a large population of Daily City make me feel like a giant. I am taller than most of them, and it, it really helps my ego. It's very fragile, and I need this. Give me it. Please, I need this. In this theater? My God, they were giant Filipinos. They were like six foot four. I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. Are they stretching them in the back room? They're giants. <laughs> One of them? People were taking pictures with them. So, uh, again, our, you know, our <laughs> influencer extraordinaire Terrell, he was like, he ran up there and took a picture with the dude. And the guy, here's, here's what I mean. You might think I'm a crazy racist just throwing out Filipinos so much. This dude, Terrell came up to him who was shorter than him. Now, most people online don't know how tall Terrell is. He's tall, six foot something. This guy, he came up to him. He went, hey, what's up, man? Terrell's like, oh, can I get a photo? He's like, yeah, how do you know me? And Terrell's like, oh, you're from that funny show. <laughs> like, and the guy's like, no, are you like Filipino? Like the guy asked him, are you Filipino? Yeah. He's like, no. And he's like, yeah, because I'm not from the show. And he went, oh, and then he just ran away. Nilo, of course, knew who he was. He said it was from some movie. I don't know. Huh. Um, we move into Nope, which was a Fathom event. They were doing a Q&A before. Uh, again, it was Kiki talking to Jordan um, about the film. Fantastic little Q&A. Uh, Fathom Events, which is known for putting on lame events that are always on time. No trailers, which I don't like because I'm never on time. We made it for this one. Um, they fucked them up. And apparently they were supposed to be timed for how long this Q&A was going to go. And they started getting waved by people off camera. And Jordan Peele just went, hey, man, you never started the clock. So I don't know where we're at. And he's like, 
okay, we're done. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. it was just like, so he tried to wrap it up and he just started talking about the New York venue that he was in and he started getting emotional. He was like, no, okay. Yeah, we're done. But uh, it was funny because they did the Q and a before the movie again. And I was like, this is the only way you're going to get a modern audience to sit here and watch it. But Jordan even commented because Kiki asked him a question about the atmosphere of the movie and how he manages to navigate so many different tones. And she was talking about Spielberg and Kubrick. And he just he looked at her and he was like, you know, it's unfortunate this Q&A is before the movie. He's like, why is it before the movie? You know what? And he pivoted to something completely different. Damn and I in one in one regard, I'm just like, dude, thank you, because you got us in mind. You're thinking about the audience. So, uh, dude, love Jordan. Um, nope. Uh, again, you've probably seen the trailers. If not, it's the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. This is, uh, the UFO movie, right? I thought it was fantastic. I thought this was a film uh, about it's a UAP UAP movie. Thank you. Um, I thought this was a movie about movies, uh, as somebody who pays attention to the technology and like in world camera and just different ways to make film that aren't studio related. This movie really goes from the 1800s and the beginning of cinema to hanging out with the guy at Fry's who's setting up security cameras and trying to introduce new ways to capture film. That guy looks so much like Dave Franco, it drove me crazy. Yeah, he, he did. He looked like Dave Franco, but he felt completely authentic to me. Uh, he was great. Yeah. yeah. Now, I again, I'm going to let you guys take over because I talk too much on this fucking show. But as a fan of film, I was deeply moved by their treatment of Fry's Electronics in L.A. Yeah. Hell it's yeah. The weirdest fucking thing, but we, we had two Fry's out here. And um, the thing about Fry's Electronics is they're big warehouses with everything. You used to go there to like fix your computers in the early days of computers. Anything electronic. Everything electronic. And um, TVs, DVDs, Blu-rays, everything. And it used to be one of our weekend retreats. We would go out there. Um, our Fry's closed. The thing about fries is it's the, what really made it different from Best Buy, Target, all of these other places was that it had a weird theme to them. Out here, we had a gold rush theme. So it was kind of like a Western. Western town. It was weird and unfortunate because it felt authentically dusty. And then, it, yeah, it became a ghost town. And then it became a ghost town. Uh, we had another one out here that was Egyptian themed, which honestly had a little bit more like. Where was that one? Uh, where, Oxana, can you look that was up? Was that San Jose? It was somewhere is out here. Is that the Concord one? conquered i don't know honestly i've only been there a couple of times but i i remember going there and being like this is fucking cooler than ours and honestly it took me a minute to figure out it's like oh it's a gold rush theme camp it was in camp uh. now here's the thing there was another one in la and when we started going out to monster palooza we would look up where can we buy blu-rays we're like oh shit they got a fries electronic they had the fucking king of fries electronics which is featured in nope which shows a giant ufo crash landed into it and they're doing all 50s sci-fi you go in there there's giant men from mars there's ants everywhere that are giant there's a drive-in theater for a food court and it's it's a part of cinema it's just as important as fucking theaters because the home theater it never gets any love in any movie and as a person who i mean Oksana, me, and Terrell, we fucking make trips out to other towns and cities and just to buy movies, right? Physical media. I'm like, wait, God, nobody ever gave this shit any love. And I'm like, thank you, Jordan. 
it's a weird thing to get like sentimental about, but I'm uh, convinced that fries will not be around much longer. It's already closed. It's closed. Like, yeah. Yeah. The fries in Burbank. Oh, all the fries are gone. Really? All the fries are gone. Damn it. I thought we were going to be able to go back there. It may have been closed already before he filmed it. That's what I was thinking, dude. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm legit. I'm fucking bummed. I love that fries. We had a whole ritual where we would get alcohol and then we'd go there and get like a tub of like, I'm not proud. It's a lot of sugar, a lot of sugar gummies, but loved it. Dude. February, I guess it closed. Dude, I am fucking. Thank you for like memorializing that in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So did you like the film? Oh, dude, I, um. It's my favorite of his movies. I, I'm with you. This was this was just fun. Great to see in a theater. It felt like a throwback. That's why it felt it felt like a it felt like his Spielberg. Yeah, yep. it felt Spielbergy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, we get a little bit of. Uh, it is fresh. This is a fresh take. It's fun. Keith David, R.I.P. I, dude, I love Keith David. And also, man, I'm going to tell you right now, Daniel Kaluuya. Fantastic. Love that guy. What a He's, transformation in man, that movie. Yeah. So, so good. And I'm telling you right now, I want so bad a hooded orange crew sweatshirt from <laughs> Scorpion, King. Scorpion King. Yeah. That was great. Um, I Man, it was just, it was really fun. And I'm going to tell you, I, also, I loved... Stephen uh, Ewan's character mm-hmm. um, yep. as the the child actor who decided he wanted to run a um, an amusement park and you know this wild west amusement park. I love kitschy shit like that. I immediately wanted to own a little town like that. Um, that was just uh, and I loved how sparsely populated that amusement park was. Oh yeah, yeah. And I love that he had this giant thing that he wanted to do. I, we're not going to spoil. Nope. I don't want to do that. Um, and I just love how very few people were there for that. Um, I, I, all, he made all the right moves there. And now what I will say is that Russell, when, when, cause you guys saw it before I did, I saw this, uh, yesterday on Saturday and you sort of prefer, you said that you really enjoyed it. But you prefaced it by saying the one thing that kind of stuck in your craw was uh, the addition and the use of a particular CG animal. Yeah. And that's all that you told me. Now, naturally, I thought it was a horse because there's a lot of horses in the film. Yep. It's not. No. Um, we're gonna, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you what it is. Um, it is a chimpanzee um, that is used as a, a big part of the movie. And I will tell you, I loved the use of that. Me and too. It is that truly made me uncomfortable. Yep. It was it wa- it was scary. It was terrifying. Oh yeah. I completely agree. And I thought that the the use of that was great because I'm a big fan of the um Planet of the Apes remakes. And I I'm telling you right now if you look it up I bet they used they used the same guys. Probably. Cuz that shit looked really good. He looked really good, and I and just the movement and how they concluded that scene 
it was just really, really well done. And how they tied everything together with all that, because um, the story is kind of broken up by animals. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't want to go into all that and um, because it, this, is, this is pretty fresh, but um, you know, please go out and see this and go look. Yeah, they shot it on IMAX. Randy, did you see this in regular theater or did you IMAX it? Uh, I saw it in a regular theater uh, with Dolby. So okay. it was played very loud and the screen was pretty big, but I do kind of want to go back and see it in IMAX. I yeah. mean, I saw it at the same IMAX theater you guys did, but it's not. It's one of these junior IMAXs. <laughs> all right. Yeah, he's talking shit on our IMAX. The IMAX theater. at Metreon, that's an IMAX. Yeah, well, it feels like you're in the Bat Cave or that something. That thing, that place is enormous. Yeah. The one in uh, Dublin cool. is pretty huge, too. Oh, but oh that's, a, that's quite a ways for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, but I'd be, I mean, well, fuck. The problem with the AMC that he's talking about is it's in the middle of like the fucking city. So you yeah. gotta like, you gotta make a fucking sojourn out there to go see I it. I mean, it's Bart adjacent. Yeah. I, yeah, but I don't get on Bart. Yeah. You don't fart. I like the freedom of a fucking four wheel drive, baby. <laughs> now, here, how about this? Can I ax the other thing I was gonna talk about and just, can we go a little bit in the spoiler territory here? Just leave a, a remark. I think most people listening to this will have already seen this movie. It's definitely pulling people out into the theater. Um, again, I was going to talk about American Horror Stories, season two, episode one. It's fucking American. Whatever. I skip that. <laughs> Cancel. Um, I do want to talk. So the problem I had with the monkey was the film. Not a monkey. Monkeys have tails. That's right. An ape. He Yeah. He has a nub, not chimp. a tail. A chimp. <laughs> and, uh, the, the horrifying scene man but yeah the thing was it's just so it oh, man for a movie that does so much visual flexing i was caught up on i'm like dude the thing it just it had that like uh polish to it that made it feel fake like it just didn't feel as like gritty or i don't know because you know the thing about reality is it doesn't look great that thing he looked kind of perfect he had the the pristine of cgi um and I was thinking about it a lot. And I feel like there's some subtext in this movie about like constantly trying to capture a new magnitude of like film. And I think that I, I'm, I haven't put it together yet, but the way that animals relate and they're like wily nature, the wild side of animals. Yeah. There's something going on there. And the whole like you look in their eyes and it makes them mad because, you know, the camera's an electric eye. So is there a commentary there on like not capturing reality with animals or like, again, what I was talking about is, you know, the whole um, opening scene where the first uh, dude ever filmed was a uh, African-American on an, a horse. Mm -hmm. We go from there to hanging out with fries and uh, my favorite character of the film, who's like the Ahab, Darth Sidious, uh, Werner Herzog of cinema. Who is like he is the Ahab dude? What a fantastic he was character! So he he played the director of the commercial that they went in, and then they um, found him again as they wanted to capture something on film, and he was the guy to do it. Well, you, you know what's funny is uh, whenever <laughs> this is going to be weird when people give film love to Fast and Furious, and they always talk about the way Vin Diesel was introduced from behind. And it's kind of like you're, you're stonewalled. You can't read his emotions. They do that with this Jacques Cousteau of like, you know, 
weather phenomenon, like the the king of cinema, right? And I fucking bought it. He's got a fantastic voice too. That was great. Yeah. My God. You just, I could imagine the documentaries he had made where he was VOing them. And he's just watching like super eight footage of a boa constrictor, like (laughs) smothering (laughs) a tiger. But you knew the minute they got involved with him, like there's something off about this dude. Yeah. Like he might buy in, but he's got a different goal. And at the end of that movie, I, you know, again, we deal with found footage so much. People are like, that's the ultimate found footage film. I'm like, actually, it would kind of suck. Like, if that were a movie that, you, you know, you picked up and watched, it wouldn't be very fun. No. But watching him do it, man, fantastic. Also, I love the, um, again, if, if we're going to spoil things, what did you think of the treatment of the UFO? Great. The, right? Yeah. What, a, what an interesting take. I thought it was almost more like a cephalopod. Yeah. 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 It was cool. Um, and it was terrifying, too. I love the choice to make it, like, uh, quiet. Oh, when yeah. it moved, mm-hmm. it felt like a fucking it. That felt like the apex predator. Like, fuck the shark. That thing was way more terrifying. Yeah. And oddly enough, when um we get an abduction and we get a little bit of a insight of what it looks like in there. And it, I know you guys probably aren't haunt connoisseurs, but there's a Confirmed. thing. One of the things you do in a haunt is like touching like that really elevates the horror because, you know, people don't randomly touch you normally. And they'll have rooms where it's like, you know, a thick plastic and then they light it and there's air pushing and you have to run through a tunnel that's kind of like wombish. And when that was what it looked like up in the UFO, I was like, oh, God, they're going to make this in Halloween Horror Nights. And I think it would be fantastic. And while I was thinking about this in my head, then the lady started screaming and I was instantly like, oh, this is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I thought it was like authentically like scary. Oh, yeah. Which I thought in no universe would this ever be like kind of frightening. No, it was. Also, did anyone else want to try a uh, a cactus icy? Dude. Yes, of course. That was the first I'd thing. I'd give it a shot. Yeah. Because there are icy machines at the theater. They're like, oh, dude, they got cactus. You know that. Also, Jordan Peele was wearing a shirt from um uh that little like, what would you call that? Like a highway attraction? The Roundup? what was it the uh amusement park yeah whatever it's called yeah he had a shirt on in the q a from that oh tight and i'm like oh that would be that would be a rad thing to own he should have worn scorpion king (laughs) i know right (laughs) and again if marvel taught us anything it's that people going to the theater enjoying these films will appreciate a weird little hallmark like that i don't i got way too much enjoyment out of the scorpion king hoodie i loved it (laughs) yeah randy what what do you think of the film Overall, really liked it. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's definitely, you know, it's, it's all about the spectacle and like the visuals are great. Uh, the same cinematographer that shoots a lot of Nolan stuff shot it. Uh, so it looks fantastic. And yeah, definitely want to go back and see it in IMAX. I what well, first of all, it's funny that they're being cagey in interviews about the movie. Cause I watched a couple beforehand because the second trailer that came out, like straight up shows the UFO, like very explicitly. Yeah. And I felt like if I never saw that second trailer, the first trailer was set a vibe and a tone. Yeah. And you could pretty much infer what they were talking about, but they didn't explicitly show it. Right. And then the second trailer, I feel like I would have loved the movie like even more if I never saw the second trailer. Randy, I agree with you 100%. I got sick to my stomach when I saw that second trailer. Like, Me too. What the fuck are you guys doing? And I yeah. agree with you guys 
in a way that you can understand because I close my eyes during trailers. It was I yeah. uh, come on, Cisco and Ebert. The only thing these idiots ever said that I completely agree with is trailers are a fucking waste. If you're going to go to the theater, just go in. Of course, that's not a great marketing plan. <laughs> but Here, here's my thing. The, the reason why I preface this by saying that, you know, this is his Spielberg movie, because this is the clearest representation that he can nail a summer popcorn oh, yeah. blockbuster movie. Yeah. And this is by far the best example of that, of what he's given us. And fantastic execution. This is great. This is everything that I would want out of, you know, a giant, mysterious, uh, you know, up up to the second trailer, cryptic <laughs> film of yeah. what we're dealing with here. I mean, honestly, like the excitement of this kind of reminded me of the early days of Shyamalan, you know, okay. yeah, yeah. like you sure. get a little bit of that. And we, we kind of miss that some. There's some signs but, in here a little bit, too. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, and. Sure. I don't man, it just it, it was just a throwback in the warmest, most respectful, most thoughtful way. And um it's it's that's thoughtfulness goes a long way with me, man. And it's very clear that Jordan Peele knows what's up. Well, dude, and it's you know, his influences are there and you know oh, a he, lot of them and he cares about film. Well, it's it's the perfect kind of film because it's not just it doesn't just hold your hand. Like, there's a lot of shit in this movie that they don't, like, explicitly explain. Yeah. Like, the UFO shitting on them. Yeah. Right? I mean, can we all agree that that's what was happening? Yes. Which yeah. make Keith David dying all the more tragic that he got a poop penny all in right. the eye. Easy. <laughs> Easy. But, again, on uh, we started off this conversation with me mentioning that he is the king of cinema, and especially horror now, right? And I love Jordan Peele's response on Twitter. Where he said, I will not tolerate this John Carpenter slander. And you know, like, I man, I love John Carpenter. I feel like I don't give him enough love anymore because everybody kind of like caught on that yeah. he's fantastic. And you know me, I got I to gotta be controversial. So I backed off that. But are you talking about the musician, John Carpenter? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but um, the blood on the house, like when it's shit on yeah. it, I, there's imagery in here that is familiar, but I've never seen before. Yeah. So I loved it. And also, I'll take your Spielberg and I'll raise you a Tarantino. It definitely felt like he was exploring subtext in these films, but in a different way. The, my problem with Tarantino is a lot of it does feel kind of diegetic. Like it, it kind of like like Django. There's a lot of Django in that, which isn't a bad thing. But this kind of it reminded me of um the woman with Lucky McGee. I remember mm -hmm. um we have a regular show out here called uh. What is what is Jesse Hawthorne's flicks? Midnight for Maniacs. Midnight for Maniacs. And he showed the woman and he said something where Lucky McGee had created a film that seemed free of influence. Like it was like a different way to make a movie, but it was still succinct and worked. And I got that from Jordan Peele, except in this movie, everything is an homage. There's poltergeist homage. There's a ton of Jaws homage. Oh, yeah. There's signs. Dude, a lot of Jaws. There's a lot of like everything because you know the the film director the ahab i mean that's your quint yeah yeah 100 percent. well he's all of them yeah he's like all the dude even when they're in the house talking you get like we're in the cabin of the boat and you know the storm's outside but they're kind of safe in here dude it's fantastic also i i, I do want to say one of my other um favorite scenes of the film which is kind of a throwaway at the end because i i didn't even think about it until i'm talking about it right now is when 
how do I want to phrase this? <laughs> when he's in the barn and he thinks that there's aliens. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. So good. We could, if you're listening to this, please have watched the film already. Um, not only was that so good, but it was scary. It was. And it they, was, lo- they looked fucking stupid. Man, they. <laughs> I loved yeah. it. And then they had all the masks there. At the, man, this was great. But the storytelling I liked that he did was those characters showed up and they felt like like little punk kids, right? Like, oh, you stole our thing, so we're fucking with you. Yeah. But then later on, you learn they're not just punk kids. They're family members of. And then they die. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but none of that gets like screen time. It's all kind of implied. And if you stop to think about it, it's like, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> also, I, again, I, I, we're going long here, but why we're talking about it. So did Steven, did he steal his horse? Why was his horse in the thing? What, because that uh, was his horse, right? Yeah. That's why she uh, bailed. His sister was like, oh, I'll be gone for a minute. And then she came back with the fucking fake horse. Because they took the real horse? I don't, there was, so the animal. I thought the fake horse was just for like bait for the aliens. But I thought she had stolen it from them. And that's why they came and pranked. I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Where else would that come from? Yeah. So, um, you know, when they said it was bait for the aliens, I actually didn't believe them. But then when it worked and, you know, it's yeah. funny. Um, uh, we've mentioned uh, the cat that me and Oksana have, Dottie, on the show before. But I remember one time she had a poop and there was a human hair in it. And it was still in her butt, but there was still like a little anchor of like other uh, digested food at the other end. And she ran around the room dragging that thing. Oh, my God. And when I was watching this film, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty accurate. (laughs) (laughs) So fantastic film. Honestly, I loved it. And I feel more uh, enthusiastic about Jordan Peele than I ever did. I'm with you. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. So good. Because this is... uh... Summer popcorn. He nailed it. Yeah, man. All right. So Randy, what was that? Uh, three stars from you. I think it's a four. I also oh, have a tidbit. Oh. I also have a tidbit of information that uh, will add nothing for anyone's enjoyment of the movie. But uh, the farm that they, uh, you know, most of the movie takes place on is in Agua Dulce, California. I've been there. My friend's uh, mom lives there and I had a very, a uh, precarious way of driving there. It directed me through roads that weren't roads in order to get to the house. Okay, what do you do in that situation? Do you just like, uh, here we go, buckle up? Did you play a gig there, dude? Uh, no, uh, we. I think we were just there just to hang out. I think we were just rehearsing. But um, yeah, his mom has like a house up like in the hill. Like literally, no one, nothing else is around. But their house is like in the middle of this hill in Agua Dulce and. Yeah, I mean, the GPS got us there, but it was like, <laughs> essentially like, go west on this road that isn't a road. It was crazy. Dude, that valley, I mean, there, there's definitely a like heavy Western influence here. But one of the things you never see in a Western is people walking long distance. And I felt like they, he couldn't have made that like mise-en-scene more like 3D than just following characters walk. Because it felt like it was going to take forever and it really doubled down on that isolation feeling that you get throughout that yeah. film because you're yeah. like god you're fucking out there alone yeah and when tmz shows up on a motorcycle you're like <laughs> yeah. you're fucked yeah also that <laughs> I, I love that that was good yeah <laughs> you don't see that portion of like the grapevine or the highway five very often in movies either i i don't know for someone that's driven it so many times that i just also enjoyed seeing that 
Well, yeah, because it's boring as shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Although we should have a, they should do a Kalshevitz movie, dude. What's a Kalshevitz <laughs> movie? On, on I-5, when you go by that giant cow farm, that's oh. Kalshevitz. <laughs> that's what they call it. Well, see, yeah. I would need some odor in that, too. Where the Bro, you can smell that a mile away. Well, the fucking Skunk Ape movie, Ooh. they didn't even comment on the odor. They were out there in the swamp with gators doing a bunch of shit that Clark confirmed is real. I would need some yeah. odor vision. That's if- how you kill a gator. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we've gone long, but I think we've covered some interesting stuff and some of the stuff that probably fucking sucks balls, but what are you going to do? Okay. Uh, We haven't figured out Thursday's episode, but we will, and it's going to be the best thing you've ever heard. As we are talking to Jesslaine Maxwell. (laughs) Big, big... From prison. From (laughs) prison. All right? We're we're gonna Zencaster her in from prison, and uh, I you uh, did you hear she's doing TikToks now from prison? You're joking. I would love just like Maxwell <laughs> prison TikToks <laughs> again. The FBI doubled down on uh, you should not have TikTok TikTok on your phone. They are well. They're... Someone should tell <laughs> R. Kelly. Yeah, dude, right? It's too late. Just fucking. Based on what we're saying on that, he's having a hell of a time in prison. Thirty years. I know. And Jess Lane gets 20. Uh oh. <laughs> we'll see you Thursday. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.